Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. It is a brand new week and Tuesdays are the best day of the week. Tuesday nights are the best night of the week. The wise guys are back. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler from Provo, Utah. And we've had loaded shows before. This one, this one is, uh, this may take the cake. This is really good. We've got all kinds of things to talk about. We we have to wait till more people get on to tell them who's going to be on the show tonight. Yeah, let's, we'll just stall out here for just a second. But it's going to be great. But we will say for those of you that are on, um, whether you're joining us via YouTube or on Twitch or what else? They could just do it directly through ysguys.com. Right. Yep. Whatever, whatever your method, we'd really love you guys to subscribe to our YouTube. So, so go on to YouTube. Um, we'll put the link in the chat. And then, uh, and then hit subscribe. It's free. And uh, click on the little bell, and you'll get notifications whenever we're posting something that's new or when we're going live on anything. The more subscribers we get, the longer we can do the show. So, um, yeah, we're trying to get those YouTube numbers up. Like, we don't even care which way you you come in and listen with us. or um, And then, of course, you can uh, get the podcast after the, after the fact and listen to interviews again, whatever you want to do. But... We need your help with this uh, yeah. subscribing to YouTube, subscribe to Twitch, subscribe to both of them, and then go ahead and uh, listen in however however you want. And let us be uh, perfectly clear. In the event there's any confusion, we hate losing. Right. We do, we do, there's, not, there's not one redeeming quality that has come from these four straight defeats. Uh, and so we're going to talk tonight uh, about a bunch of things, and we have some cool guests on, uh, and we'll ask you some questions too, but... Uh, in our, uh, being that it's Tuesday, we're a few days removed. Don't take for a second that we're actually okay with how things are going. No, we don't. We don't like the way they're going. But here's, we do th- keep things in perspective. Yeah, we don't, we don't live or die because BYU wins or loses. We're not on the edge, and we even, may pull you back from even, the even edge. Even though we've been involved in it a long, long time, and have you know family members that are involved and played and did all of those things. Um, we, we recognize it's not life or death, that's for sure. So just a few minutes ago, the first college football rankings came out. Let's talk about that before we jump into our teases and, and all the good things we've got coming up. It's like it's November 1st, but, you know, all the goodies that were handed out last night for Halloween, mm-hmm. this is kind of a, a second Halloween because we got a lot of good stuff to, right, right. to hand out. And None so, of them are milk duds, but... Um, but, but it's still going to be pretty good. Well, hey, with my tooth problem, I don't think I can have milk duds. Yeah, you're going to have to stay with from at least for, for, for at least a day until I get this thing fixed. For at least so. a day. Yeah. So just a short time ago, the first college football rankings were announced, and uh, these are the rankings now that that supersede the AP top 25. So when you see the rankings on ESPN, they're going with these ones. This and this honestly, this is all that matters right now. Yeah. So so number one's Tennessee. They, they've been playing great. They just beat Alabama, but in the AP, they're like at three or four. Not in this one. They're up to number one, and Ohio State is number two. Yeah, and here's the thing about Tennessee. We, we've talked about this a lot, um, and this relates back to BYU and their struggles. The teams that are up there, like when we look at these teams, they all score a bunch of points. Like the old saying, hey, defense wins championships – not in today's college football. I mean, you have to be decent on defense, but you have to score a bunch of points. Tennessee's averaging 50.1 points a game. 
They just go outscore people. It's crazy how how awesome they are. And isn't it interesting to to know Tennessee was supposed to come here to open next season. Yes. BYU went back there and beat them three years ago, 2019, with Zach and the guys. Or was it 20? It was 19. I think it was 19. 19. So they they go back there and they beat Tennessee. And and Tennessee was on TV the other night, 110,000 screaming fans. They've got a new coach. They're playing all kinds of different football. They're really, really good. And now they're number one here tonight. And you know what? I'm okay that they spent $2 million to get out of the game yeah. next year. We it, got we got other fish to there, fry. There's something right about college football when Tennessee and Michigan are in the top five, to me. Yeah. Because those are traditional programs that haven't been great lately. I'm tired of Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Actually, of, all, of those three, I can take Georgia probably the most. Um, and, and I really like Clemson's coach. Don't, don't get me wrong. Dabo Sweeney is a, a heck of a guy. But Tennessee, and I love Josh Heupel's story. Yeah. Um, remember, Josh Heupel like, has ties to Utah. Played at Snow, played at Oklahoma, and then... Coached at Utah State. Coached at Utah State. He, he was at Oklahoma when they redid the staff, when Bobby um, Stoops retired. And they just said, well, you know, the guy that's taking over, he's an offensive mind, really don't need you. He was without a job. So he comes out to Utah State for one year, and then I think he goes to Missouri as the O coordinator, and then he goes as the head coach at Central Florida and wins a bunch of games, and now he's the head coach at Tennessee, and he's one of the most brilliant offensive minds in in football. He's not all that interested in defense, but no. today's game, if you outscore the other guy, right. you get you celebrate. I mean, I keep I keep looking at BYU and going, man, they got to do this and this and this on defense. But you want to know what? Score more. They need to start scoring. High 30s, low 40s, every game. And if you're Tennessee, you score in the 50s. Right. Sometimes in the 60s. And that's how you win. Georgia's number three in the new college football rankings. Georgia plays Tennessee on Saturday. We'll give our pick on that a bit later. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe today's rankings sway that a little bit. Clemson four, Michigan five, Alabama's at six. Still an opportunity for them to work up in the top four with games ahead. Uh, TCU is seven out of the Big 12. And Oregon is the uh, highest one-loss team. At number eight. Well, Bama's one loss, remember. In addition to Alabama. Right, because Alabama lost to who? Oregon is the one loss team out of the Pac-12. <laughs> right, there that you is, go. That is high as, as number eight. And they're the, they're the only team that BYU's played in that right. top eight. Number eight. And you know what's funny is before the season, we were all going, well, Oregon's got a new staff. Maybe this is the one of the ones that BYU can get. Oregon offensively right now is a machine. Yeah. I mean, they're just scored. The lowest point total they've had... They went to the opener at Georgia and struggled. New coach, new staff, kind of made some adjustments the next week, and they've been on a tear ever since. BYU's the lowest point total they've scored since the Georgia game. That's a shout-out for the defense. That 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 tells you about (laughs) how good Oregon is offensively. And you know who else is lights out on offense? TCU. They just go outscore people. They used to be interested in defense. No, no interest whatsoever. And then the number nine right after Oregon, so you got TCU, Oregon, is Southern Cal, USC. And they're also seven and one. And guess who else just scores crazy amounts of points? And and their one loss is to Utah. What was it, 42 41? Something like that. Utah goes down and, and gets the. What we thought was the game tying score because they would kick an extra point. Whittingham decides to go for two on and just win the thing, and, and they go for two and get it and end up winning the game by one. And uh, the, you know, a lot of interesting calls down the stretch on that one. But but USC is a team that's just scoring a bunch of points. Then the, the the highest ranked two loss team is LSU at number ten, and at, they host Alabama this at week at six and two. That'll be a really interesting game. 
All right, so that's the rankings coming out. Now let's let's set the table for what we have coming up on a on a blockbuster show, including the Big 12's big media deal, what that means for BYU moving forward. I'll give you a hint. It means a lot. I mean, we're talking about so much more money than they've ever had coming in annually to this football program. Like, we, You and I guesstimate maybe five times what they've ever had when they've maximized it the most because there's a chance that with tertiary rights – um, and and shares of NCAA basketball tournament money, which by the way they get a bunch of teams, yeah. and make and that's it, got nothing and, to do with this right, pile. Make, make up to Final Fours and all that, but but this this could all when it's all said and done, the share that could go to BYU when they're full shareholder would would be close to fifty million dollars. That's incredible. That's incredible. So we'll break that down and give you some perspective on that. Hey, the Cougars fell to East Carolina. We all know that, right? Um, and we're not happy about and it. The Pirates won the, the game on one leg. They had a peg leg. No, it wasn't a peg leg. <laughs> the Pirate with one leg. It wasn't a pirate, leg. pirate peg leg. <laughs> Their kicker hit that game-winning field goal. Um, his time expired, and they win 27-24. to 24. We talked about it on AFR, which just ended here um, just a few minutes ago. And, and BYU, you could go back. There's five or six plays in that game. They, they just need to make any one of the five or just six make plays. One. And win the game, and they didn't make a single one of the plays they had to make down on on offense. You know, a couple of fourth down conversions, they just got to get one of them. Come on, a third down conversion, they just have to catch the ball or get or get deeper on the route. Seriously. Um, oh, on defense, um, you know, they gave up a, a a big third down when a player fell down. They also on fourth down, way out on the thirty-seven one. I thought their coach was crazy for going for it. Yeah. Because if they don't get it, and it wasn't fourth and one. It was fourth and long. Fourth and eight. He throws a vertical, which is about a 15% chance of completing, right? And they were going to give the ball back to BYU with enough time to complete a couple like of balls and, and kick a field goal, yeah. right? Way out on the 37. Um, but instead, BYU gets, a, the, of course, pass interference call when they did not need to. They were in perfect position to defend it. The ball had no chance of being completed. And it, you know what? It was a good call. He reached yeah. out oh, yeah, and he, grabbed he, it. He, he definitely, we, we would he, have yeah. loved the official to just let it go because it's end of the game stuff but he did it and we're just like why did you do it no reason and it cost him the game yeah no reason and i mean that's the last of the five or six plays we're talking about if they make any of them if he just keeps running and the ball's incomplete bua has got a chance the worst case scenario they go into overtime but two fourth downs couldn't complete them um you know couldn't get off the field on third down in an important role that fourth down pass interference uh play um a third down play that they didn't make that that brought up a fourth that that where the receiver was there and they couldn't get it to him like just multiple multiple big plays that they could not um, close the deal on. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Then they have also got this problem closing out games because yeah. the offense has been tanking in the second half of games. Come on, BYU score some points. BYU tied the first half seventeen seventeen. I'm like, okay, this looks like a normal game. This this game's going to be in the high thirties because most teams figure it out and do a little better in the second half. BYU got outscored 10-7 in the second half. They scored on their first series. At home. And never scored again. So we're turning the page, and you know what? Every time we turn the page, there's some optimism That's on right. the page. Boise State is Saturday night. We'll preview the game, all the broadcast details and all that's coming up. See if the Cougars can snap that skid. Yeah, and, and I actually, I think that East Carolina and Liberty playing really, really well. This is a different kind of matchup. I feel like BYU matches up better with Boise, and we'll talk about that. So, And you can't say Boise, like with a Z. Or, or people from Boise get really mad. 
<laughs> it's like there's an S in there, Boise. It's the last time BYU's going to have to play on that blue thing they've got going That's on right. up there. So Unless hey, we go to a – yeah, we're not going to go to any more potato bowls And we got enough people on now that we're going to – we'll tell you who's coming on. So we've got BYU's all-time winningest quarterback, Max Hall. He's going to join us live. Um, and we'll get his take on what BYU needs to do to turn this thing around and, and get off the – the losing streak here. TJ Bass going to join us live. He works with the BYU alumni in the Boise area. We're going to talk about all the activities and the uh, service project uh, around Saturday night's game up in Boise. A lot of BYU fans in Idaho, obviously. And so we're going to talk to him about that. He's a uh, child of Jimmermania. When he was in school, Jimmer mm-hmm. was lighting it up. And so TJ Bass going to join Wait, us what's, right around what's Jimmer's 7. New name? What's Jimmer's new name? Uh, oh yeah, I can't even remember. Somebody needs to to throw that one out I, to us. Come on, I Chaplain Brent Peterson, you know what Jimmer's new alias is when he comes to like, practice. It's like fat, sketch or with something a fat, like with a that. fat suit on and just starts lighting it up. Somebody knows it out there. Let us know what that is. Slick Nick, what is it? It might have been Nick. It might have been Slick Nick. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what it is. So, um, hey, hey, BYU basketball t- tips off. They only have one exhibition game um, this year, and uh, that's tomorrow night. You and I will be broadcasting that game. It's against Ottawa, and no, Ottawa, This in this case, is not in Canada. It's in Arizona. No, it's in Arizona. We're eager. They're the so, Ottawa spirit, so they're coming. Yeah, so, so Dave and I and Spencer Linton will be on the call tomorrow night. That'll be live on BYU TV. So we're excited. Uh, if you guys want to get a little preview, we did the blue and white game, but this will actually be against another, like, a, a real opponent, and you'll get a chance to see this BYU basketball team with Three really good return missionaries that are ready to go. Um, this is Mark Pope's first recruiting class of of guys that went out on missions that are back yeah. for the first time. So this this will really give you a glimpse. First into the time future. he's run out to coach a, a game without Alex Barcelo. Right, and so. and he's got he's got some great uh, D one transfers that have come in. You get to see that all tomorrow night. So join us and watch that game on BYU TV. Also, former BYU football player and Utah Jazz announcer Alema Harrington is going to join us in just a couple of seconds. We'll talk about the plight of the Cougars and the impact former BYU star Danny Ainge is having on rebuilding the Jazz. And we and we so. love Alema. Used to do shows for us. Yeah, at BYU we're gonna TV. we're gonna flashback to yeah, some, we'll do some flashbacks some great when, when Alema was with us. Um, hosting the desk with us on our countdown to kickoff shows and all that. And of course, Lem and I are former teammates. Yes. We played together. Did you see uh, the costume Tom Holmo, the athletic director, oh, rolled out in? Goodness. DJ, can you put that on there? And for those on the podcast, we're going to describe it to you, and everyone else can can watch it. Mm. But every year he comes up with something that you just go, oh, that's, that is cool. And uh, he Look, rolled out. There he is. Yoda. Does, does Marin do his costume? No. Who does it? No, he. Um, I I, the reason remember. I say Marin, and that's between like Dave and Marin's arm. Do we even admit that we wear makeup when we go yeah, on? All people know. People they know. know. We can't hide they know. the bags under so, our eyes. So Marin is our makeup artist and and does phenomenal things. She can do this kind of stuff. I yeah, wonder if she, she did didn't it. do this, but I, I can't think. Of, I can't remember the na- per- name of the person who did. But uh, he texted out, uh, "Do or do not. There is no try," which really is the theme of the week for right, the Cougars. Right. Well, and that's that's go a there and do it. Don't go up and try. Yeah, he's like, mm, do, do or do not. There is no try. That's, mm. that's exactly that's mm. exactly what it is. Mm, fierce he is. Our first guest tonight is the face of the Utah Jazz in both the pre- and post-game shows, also a former colleague of ours at BYU TV, former football player, longtime friend. Pleasure to welcome Alema Harrington to the Wise Guys via Zoom. There he there is. He there he is. is. Alema, how are you doing? How are you doing? We are good. Alema. We're so happy to have you on. What's going on? Oh, you know, uh, enjoying the the beginning of this jazz season. You guys know this, and and the state of Utah does some high school football too. So, 
uh, doing uh, getting some playoffs and getting ready for the semis and the finals and in uh, in high school football, but loving what the Jazz are doing and what Danny Angels has created over here. And uh, I think a lot of people, including myself, are a little surprised, but plenty excited uh, about what's going on with the Jazz. It, it's like everybody keeps going. Wait a minute. Who are these guys? And, and not only who are these guys, I think everyone adds this. Who are these unselfish guys that are playing team basketball and don't care who does what and just win? It's crazy. It's been remarkable. And, and you guys know as, as basketball guys and covering the sport for, for many years, um, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch when a team plays unselfishly. It's hard to find that, and it, and it gets a little different when you get higher in the levels, um, and then you have a superstar, and that guy's going to be ball dominant, you know, is the term that we use. But to, to watch the way that they're playing right now, which is moving the basketball, um, the assists, you know, we've had 30 assists in the game, 29 in a game, just ridiculous numbers, and the Jazz went from, I think the last couple of years, they were in the the, the high 20s as far as team ranking, meaning out of 30 teams, way at the bottom as far as assists were concerned. Right now, we're currently number four in the NBA. I mean, to go from where we were to where we are, I think that's one of the reasons a lot of fans are watching this go, man, I love this because it's such it's so different than what we've been accustomed to, certainly in the last several years. Not that, you know, people were were necessarily outside of the playoffs, um, really, you know, uh, hating what the Jazz were doing on the floor because they, they had the best record in the NBA. Then they were, you know, fifth in the NBA. Just couldn't get out of the, the, the second round. And last year couldn't get out of the first round. But it's fun to watch these these guys. And I think we're going to watch probably somebody, I'm guessing Markinen, may become a first-time All-Star. And he's quickly um, becoming one of those guys that, that Jazz fans just don't just like, they love. Yeah. Bluesville. Last night, yeah, last night he was big time. He hey, was big time. Bluesville won, one of our live streamers, says, uh, Alema, sharp-dressed man. Sharp dressed man. Now, when this, you're this Lemma, is a true, that's a true statement. Be honest, when you're doing those Mr. Mac commercials, yeah. Uh, one, how many takes does it take? And be honest with that. And then, second, is it harder to sell suits for Mr. Mac in your commercials or maneuver jazz fans through all of this stuff? And are the trades over or are there going to be some more? Oh, man, I, I'll go reverse on this. Sorry, but, that was like three points in one question. Hey, I, I apologize. Hey, give us a half an hour I, answer I, for this because they just gave me half an hour question. Let's start with the suits. I, yeah, okay, we'll start with the suits. Um, <laughs> as far as the commercials are, are concerned, and you guys know this because you've done your share of this, we probably, you know, hitting, you know, shooting from different angles, oh. we're, we're going to do two or three takes per per line. And... Um, and, and my guys at Mr. Mac, I absolutely adore these guys. They're so good to me, and it's been a great partnership over the years. And and um, so I always enjoy uh, anytime I get a chance to to do something to promote Mr. Mac and and the Christensen family. And and um, so that that's a, an absolute blast. I enjoy doing that. You've uh, you've dressed to- a lot of missionaries over the years. I, LM, I don't know how you do it when we when we go shoot <laughs> promotional stuff. And they, they go, hey, now I want you to say it like this. Okay, now say it like that. Now say it with okay, feeling. Now, now do it like this. And we do it like I don't know how many times. And they go, that's that's great. That's that. 
that's a take. Let's go. And I'm like, great. And they go, okay, now we're going to move the cameras over here and we're going to do the same thing. And then they move the camera. I'm like, I'm going to go out of my mind. I'm made for live television, not this craziness. So bless your heart for doing that, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll take live TV over something taped every day, all day, all every day of the week. Live TV is where it's at. Yeah. All right. Now let's jump into the trades. Are they done? Well, the trades. And yes, I. I, I, I don't know that they're done because I can't speak for the front office, but I hope that they're done. And if the Jazz keep playing like this, some I think are concerned. At least this is what I hear from fans. But if they keep winning, then they'll be out of the Wembenyama sweepstakes. And will they do something to disrupt it so that the Jazz don't finish uh, in the playoffs? I, I don't know. And, and you guys know this as, as guys that have played sports, been around sports for so many years. You cannot afford to develop a losing culture. And and I think that's what you're seeing with the Jazz. They they got rid of their superstars, but at the same time, they brought in a bunch of guys that are hungry and that want to win, and you can't keep them from doing that. And even as you're calling the game and the third stringer gets in in a football game, <clears throat> and this guy's you know, still running for a touchdown. You think, oh man, you know, is, is that okay for, for, you can't tell a, a kid that's getting an opportunity to get on the field. I know as a third string guy to get on the field, like I'm going to try to score. Yeah. And, and and so you want that culture uh, on your team. And so, you know, the, the downside of it might be that, that you're not in the win Manyama sweepstakes. And I'm never, I'm just not a guy that feels like, man, one guy's going to change everything. And I get that this, this kid is special. Trust me. I get it. Yeah. But um, I like the way the jazz are playing. I hope the trades are done. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I hope so too. I love the chemistry of this team. It, mm-hmm. And, and the chemistry of this team just seems to fit the franchise so well, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, you know, and we've had superstars here, but the superstars we've had, and, and I think all the way back to Stockton, Malone, Hornacek, that group, they were unselfish. Like, as big as superstars as they were, some of the greatest players of all time, you always got the sense that they were just grinding and sharing and being team guys. That That's kind of the mantra of this franchise. I feel like we have those guys now. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, it. When you, as we recall the days of Stockton to Malone, and there's there's people that are watching this live stream, they're like, I don't know who those people are, or, or they know who they are, but they've never seen them. Um, and and we're talking, you know, twenty plus years ago um, when those guys were playing, but it was a different era, and guys played through injuries. Um, it, it was a different, and you guys weren't paid as much. It's just a whole different animal from the NBA that we deal with today. But if you can develop in, in your franchise a culture that is blue collar, that is selfless, um, then then you can end up almost like a throwback team in, in some regards. And I think that they have that certainly right now with, with Will Hardy, who's this young, fiery coach. Right. Um, and the players that they've assembled to this point. I, I always look at this, and, and I because I remember when we got Donovan Mitchell and kind of watched how things changed a little bit over the years, which I, I think is to be expected to a degree as he became. I remember when he signed his shoe deal. I remember 
when uh, he made his first all-star team. I remember the first time he scored 30, the first time he scored 40, the, when he scored 50 in the bubble. And, uh, you know, when individual players start to have those kinds of things happen, I don't know how much you can control how things operate in the locker room. Um, but right now, this team is playing so together and so selflessly that you you just, you know, there's part of you that just hopes that it can last forever. I don't know that it can, um, but you hope that it can. The great Alema Harrington twists the Jazz are off tonight. That's why we're able to get him on our that's show. That's right. Um, because we can pull him away from Michael Smith. That's who, right. We can pull him away from yeah, Smith. And, and, and Michael like typically won't give us anything because anytime he's off, he has to play golf. That's what he has yeah. to do. Yeah. We'll, 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 I, we'll ask you about him. Oh my gosh. Like his, I, <laughs> yeah. he's the best tall guy I've ever seen at yeah. golf. Like he's ridiculously good at golf. Yeah. Yeah. So. He and Danny Ainge actually played in a, in a, in a league this summer and they did extremely well. And, and Mike made it like this far away from the U S senior, you know, amateur seniors. Wow. Um, he's really, really good. He's so his hand. eye like the reason he was a great scorer when he played yeah. at BYU is because his hand. eye is so amazing. He's a phenomenal golfer and Dan and Danny's the same way. The only yeah. thing difference between Danny and, and Mike is that, that Danny will do anything to win, including cheat. It, it's just like, it's like <laughs> Danny is just like win at all costs. Plus Danny played defense. He, he will run over your ball with a cart and say, I didn't, I didn't even see it there. I, I apologize, but you got to play it as it lies. I'm sorry about that. You know, that's Danny. So, <laughs> Hey, Elema, look, go back in time with us. Blaine and I have been talking about this. We're trying to figure it out. We think that on September 7th, 2013, when that storm came in and hit Lavelle Edwards Stadium, you were down on the set hosting Countdown to Kickoff, yeah. and Blaine and I Dude were and up I in the dry, the warm booth watching, oh and I believe gosh. you lost an Italian suit that night. Is that not true? Yeah, I, I, I still tell stories about that moment because <laughs> – you know, we're, we all get, you know, some sort of an exposure type of story where a storm cell comes through and you might have a lightning delay or, you know, different things happen. I have never experienced something like we had in that game uh, against Texas at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And we had things set up pretty well to protect us. We, we had a roof over our heads, but the rain was coming in sideways. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it didn't hail at one point. It was wild. That was one of the, the most bizarre weather systems I've ever seen come through. And typically when something like that happens, you just think, wow, man, we, we you know, there's nowhere we're playing this game. And then it clears out. Yeah. And by the end of that game, you never would have known that it happened. It was, it was wild. We but were- for me... We've all had crazy things happen. That's the craziest weather-related <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever had happen. We, we were lucky that we have a lot of friends, right? Because we're like, what are we going to do? Because we couldn't go off the air. Remember, we're going down yeah. to you. You're coming back up to us. Then Dave yeah. says, Dave says, hey, let's let's become a weather channel right now. Yes, yeah, so and, we and let's get Eubank, Eubank on. on. So we Kevin call Eubank. Eubank, and Kevin comes yeah. on live with us from up in Salt Lake City, and he's talking us through the storm. And, like, we were flying by the seat of our pants live on television for I don't remember how long, but yeah. it seemed like a long time. I remember I was either Michael Miner or somebody in our ear telling us that because we were up there to call the game, so we were half in, half out of your show. Right. And I, right. I remember saying, a lemon, the guys just got blown off the set. You guys are on. You're on. <laughs> and we looked down yeah. and I think I saw you drenched to the bone. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, our mics could not handle the the, the, the water anymore and our, our earpieces, our IFBs for – um, for those pe- people at home listening, that's the thing that you have wired up to your ear. Yeah. Those things got so wet that they just stopped functioning. And mm-hmm. so, you know, aside from that, 
and I can't remember if this was my sophomore year and you were still there, um, uh, Blaine, or this might have been my junior season. We played at Texas Christian University, and it was so humid that it was a weird, bizarre weather thing where the crickets came out. I broadcast the- that game. You were playing. And I was and on was, my and, mission down the road my, in San my, Antonio. It, it was my first year covering you guys on the road. It was Bowler Jack and I were broadcasting that game. I couldn't even... Alem, I couldn't believe it. It wasn't was, that was crazy. There, there were so many crickets, folks, that that when like so if you're going out to the right and you plant your foot to cut, yeah. your yeah. Fi- your footing would come out from under you because you would smash like fifty crickets and your foot would just it slide out on the guts. Everywhere. We were praying for the seagulls to, to show up. It was it was that was crazy. It was amazing. But, as a player, that's probably the most bizarre. As a broadcaster, no doubt that Texas. Game. I, I have to tell you on that game. I had a lot of respect for Bowler because he and I were doing the open. And as yeah. he's talking, I'm, I'm, I look, go to look over at him. He's got a cricket coming up the shoulder of his jacket. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Like, what's he going to do? My wife would have lost What's he going to do? And then the cricket went on his neck, and it went down his, down his, down his collar. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, he must not have felt that. He must not have felt it. So he just he just keeps going, and we're going. We yeah. go, and then we go. Well, okay, we'll be right back after this. And we go to the break, and he's like, ah! And he starts like, <laughs> so so he he did feel it. He completely like the most professional thing I've ever seen anybody done on the air. Didn't That's even great cricket Jack. crawled down his shirt. He didn't even care. That's like playing hurt. He's amazing. Yeah, yep. <laughs> he's he's that kind of broadcaster. He's the best. Alem, our our paths first crossed uh, a few weeks earlier. Remember, you're down in Austin. Yeah. BYU beats Texas. I'm sitting up in the president's box with my companion because uh, I'm on my mission at the time in Austin, yeah. and we were uh, serving in the university ward where we talked smack for three months before the football team came down. Then you guys beat them, and then I had still had nine months left on my mission. You guys go home, take my dad with you, and I went to Laredo. And uh, as I look back, I said, that's where you and I first crossed. I was up in the booth as a missionary. You're down uh, on the field trying to. That, that's beat. awesome. I still remember that that trip. And, and for me, I, I was fortunate. We played Texas a couple of times. We won both of those games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even got the chance to play quite a bit of running back in the game that they that we played at at home at Cougar Stadium at that time before Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But uh, that's one, you know, one of the, the best things about playing this game is, is uh, Blaine, as you know, right? It's like all of the experiences that you have, like to watch and, you know, win or lose, but but you'd love, sure, certainly like to win um, the Notre Dames and, uh, you know, the Ohio States. I played against Ohio State in the Citrus Bowl. You know, those kinds of memories are the things that, that, uh, really um kind of cement what your what your college football experience is all about and then being able to do that with all these different guys and and we have you know all teammates of ours that have kids playing now and, and blaine your boys have come through and and there's something really special about watching like byron rex who was a a, 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 a roommate of mine to see his son playing or um warren wheat's son who's, yeah. who's mm-hmm. playing that kind of thing is is always it's it's cool to have those those generational experiences. Yeah, and you know it's what's really fun too, Alema, and and you can you can vouch for this when you've played with a group of guys. Well, that's family forever, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how long you haven't seen those guys. You you could not see them for ten years, and you yeah. run into them, and it's still still brothers, like always still brothers, and 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 that's something that that 
comes with college football. That's when we're talking about the Jazz and I watch the way they're playing, I feel like they have that atmosphere, right? But you mm-hmm. typically don't get that in pro sports. That only comes in college athletics where where it really is a family and that family is a family for the rest of your life, which is really really cool. Yeah, I love that part about it and and you know, to your point, you know, a guy Mike Salito who I played with was a roommate of mine. Uh, we see each other very rarely, but every time we do, it's like, you know, I, I haven't been apart from from him since the days that we were living at 556 West, 800 North down in Provo. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, being able to to have those connections and follow each other's families, it's kids grow up and all of those things. But um, it is, it really is something really special. And I agree, you know, you, you get that sensation, at least that sense from what the Jazz are doing right now. And, and you heard me cautiously hoping that that could continue it's just not something we we see very often uh at the pro level you're a walk-on on the football team and you're a hip and happening guy what what kind of nil deal would you have landed uh back in bamboo the day hut. bamboo I hut would, i would have gotten free food at bamboo hut <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, um, I have eaten there many times back in the day <laughs> And maybe some teriyaki bowl at the at the Hoagie Yogi, um, yeah. This <laughs> nil deal thing is is a whole different world too. And and as we talk about things that that have changed the the landscape of college football, you know, you hope that those things don't divide locker rooms. And yeah, um, it's awesome when a built bar comes in and do do you know the things that they do that includes you know um, bringing a team together and and guys that might not necessarily get that type of an opportunity. Um, but I think Bamboo Hut would be, I, I would probably focus in on that one right away. I'd land that one and they'd probably lose money. <laughs> that would be a good one. It's, it, it is interesting that, that NIL, I, I, I don't know that it's had much impact yet, but I think over time, if they don't reel this thing in yeah. and you got, you got million dollar quarterbacks and then other guys that aren't making anything, it yeah. could, it could cause it to be a more, pro sports type environment where it, the guys just show up for work and go home. I, I'd hate to see that. And I love that BYU, the very first thing they announced about NIL was this built bar deal for walk-ons. It yeah. really set the standard, which was great. Yeah, I agree. I just don't want any of these BYU guys thinking they're coming after my Mr. Mac. Oh, um, my, <laughs> no one's Mr. taking Mac. that. Hey, no one's yeah, taking that from you. You, have, you don't even try it. You, BYU can't, guys. you can't, nobody can dress with a style <laughs> And the pizzazz that you you have to you have to be years into this thing to have the to carry the weight that you carry with us. We could wear the same things that you wear, but you'd still look better than us. Yeah, it's just it's just how that's, you got it going. That's a fact, right there. Right. Let's look at some numbers. Here's your career numbers. All right, let's talk about them. Yeah, uh, thirty carries, hundred and four yards so over the century mark. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. One reception for eleven yards. Those that yeah. that got a first down. But how about October second, nineteen eighty seven? 39 seconds to go against Utah State. Do you remember what happened? Yeah. Yeah. I had my first my first and only touchdown. It was a counter and um and started off right, came back, I think, to the left, and and I don't know how long it was. It was it might have been over 10 yards, but it was my first and only touchdown. I almost had one as a sophomore against Wyoming, didn't get into the end zone, but that was a big moment for me. I, I still remember that very fondly. I remember being in the locker room after the game and talking with uh, Lance Reynolds and uh, Norm Chow and told Norm, thanks for calling that play. And uh, so that was, that was a pretty special moment for me. Pretty fun. I, 
it's funny because because you and I as backups, um, and and the guys in front of me, well, the guy in front of me, the last couple of years was a little more fragile than the guys in front of you, and so I got to play a little bit more, right? But, yeah. um, so so Daryl Funk gets the job as the uh, offensive line coach at BYU, and he was at CSU while we were playing. I don't know if you knew that, Alem. He played at Colorado oh. State, and he started as a D lineman at first, then moved it over to the O line. Really, really good O line coach. But he and I were comparing notes, and then then. I started to look up some stuff, and I'm like, wait a minute, Daryl. Like, you and I were on the field a lot together. And he's like, yeah, you know? And I go, yeah, I know. You don't need to say it. We used to kill you guys, so I used to play three quarters in the games against Colorado State. Like, I I literally would come in in the second quarter, and, and those are some of my best games because we would be we would be three touchdowns up on him at the end of the first quarter, and I would go in and play. And he was playing D-line. My, you know, he's two years younger. He's your age. Yeah. And, and so he played D-line against me a bunch only because we would kill them so bad that their starters were still in the game and I was in as a backup. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I remember playing against Colorado State, you handing me the ball. Yes. Uh, and I think it was at Colorado State, and we were up by a ton. So, I mean, for, for a guy like me, you played a lot more than I did, but for a guy like me, the, the snaps that I got as an actual running back, I played plenty of blocking back, but as as a, a actual running back, I, I remember most of those carries because there weren't a lot. There were 30. Alema Harrington, former Cougar, current jazz broadcaster on the Wise Guys tonight. Hey, like everybody, you've had challenges in your life. You've made them public in a way that's helped a lot of people fight with opioid addiction. Similar to the struggles Max Hall went through. In his days in the NFL, Max is going to join us a bit later tonight. But um, your challenges began when you were at BYU and you're winning that fight, and we congratulate you. So my question is this. How powerful and healing is the medicine of serving others when you're fighting or controlling your own demons at the same time? Because you've done a lot of service that way. It is. It, that is it. That's the medicine. Um, and I'm so glad you're having Max on. Um, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Max and how he has come through this and the work that he's doing. And I follow him uh, somewhat from, from a distance and, and have a great admiration for what he is doing. Because I remember when that story broke and I was like, wow, man, that could have been me so easily. And uh, so to, to see what he's doing, but for me, as, you know, the opportunity I get as a counselor now at Ardu, uh, you know, when I haven't gone back and gotten my substance use disorder counseling degree, yeah. Um, uh, you know, those, th- those are the, the best moments that I have, um, from my own sobriety standpoint is the, those moments where I'm, I'm teaching this and I'm sharing my experience. And I, I think one of the biggest things when you're going through it is it feels so literally hopeless. Like there's no way, cause you, and, and we're strong men and you think I can overcome anything but you cannot overcome this thing. You know, it is so powerful. And you've watched lives crumble with, with guys that, that you admire. And it's like, how could this happen to this person? Like this thing will take you down. And so um, having come through on the other side and, and having overcome it, and I didn't overcome it. This is, you know, my savior, Jesus Christ and the atonement and right. my relationship one-on-one with, with, with my creator, my, with God. And so being able to share that with somebody and give them some hope, um, like, you know what? I know how bad it is because I've been there. I mean, I know how bad it is in a very real way. And um, 
you can get out of this. I tell people that I'm working with, I said, the bad news is that you don't have what it takes, but the good news is neither do I. And you can get through this, but you're gonna have to turn it over to, to God and, and let God fight this battle. It's a battle that he's already won. So um, I appreciate, you know, let me just share a little bit of that because sure. it's been such a powerful part of my life. And I'm so grateful for, for Max. I hope to do something at some point with him. Yeah. So let him know that I'm admiring him from afar and I'm, I'm so proud of the work. Uh, we'll, we'll mention it to him when we're on with him later. You know, they've started this um, uh, uh, facility down there mm -hmm. that helps people and are expanding that. And, and, uh, you know, we have to mention too, like you're a licensed substance abuse um, disorder counselor. You went back and got your degree in that license, yeah. do a lot of work in that area. We have, have to go be like a guest counselor and, yeah. and, and, and work with Max down there. <laughs> our two, our two guys that we're so proud of and we love yeah. so much. That's really, really cool that. That, that you're doing that. And we're really, really proud of all that you've come through and what you've done and what a great example you've been. It's amazing. Both you and okay. Max. So, Hey, yeah. um, We'll get back to football in just a second. For for someone who's struggling with some of this and needs some help, what what should they do? Where should they go? Who should they call? Well, yeah, the first thing is you just you, you gotta get to a point where you're willing to to reach out because it's so hard. Because like I said, so for so many of us, where we got this this pride in it that's part of our makeup, and and it, it's almost counterintuitive to try to to ask somebody for help. It's embarrassing to ask somebody for help. So if you're you're struggling, find somebody that you can confide in. Let them know, like, hey, I I need I need some help. Like I yeah. this this thing is is kicking my trash, and I don't know what to do or or how to do it. And if you can admit that, then then you know that's the first step, right? First step is to admit that we have a problem. But there's resources available. Um, you know. Uh, com is is where I work in, and we're always, you know, working towards getting people in to get the treatment that they need or just get an assessment yeah. because just like any other disease, there's different stages and you can catch it at different stages. Uh, typically, we wait until it's stage four, per se, um, before we seek the help that we need, and then you might need residential and some intensive uh, treatment, but you can catch this earlier than that. Um, and get into some outpatient treatment and some counseling. And um, so the, the first thing that you do is just reach out, reach out to somebody, to the resources, you can find resources on the internet, of course, ardu.com or, or any of the, the, the different treatment centers that are out there. Great. Awesome. Well, hey, we're gonna make you be a counselor of another type. So, and we know you okay. do a phenomenal job with that, but, um, you know, I think BYU right now needs some counseling. So, so for the next couple of minutes, you're going to be the wise guys. You're a counselor with us, um, and the BYU football team needs some help. We're, yeah. What what advice would you give them right now? Four game losing streak. Um, as a guy that's that's been there and played and has won and has lost, what, what advice would you give this team right now to try to correct this? Well, you, the, you know the the, the solutions. To the problem are are rarely very different right the, the first is to admit that like look we've got a problem and the reason why that's so important is because if i don't have a problem then i don't need any help so if we're byu right now it's looking at this four game losing streak and instead of trying to put lipstick on a pig or tr try to you know sugarcoat it it's just it is what it is and let's let's own that and figure out okay what the problem is and then 
Um, again, similar to, to what my experience was with the addiction and recovery, it's getting back to the basics. And the, the basics are very simple. Um, and it's, it's trust, it's faith, um, it's integrity, it's accountability. Um, all of those things are the solution. But, you know, we find ourselves separated from that. We don't know how we got there, but it had gotten so good that we have a hard time admitting that we went from that good to wherever we are lost right now. So I look at, at BYU and, and I'm a huge BYU fan always will be. And, um, you know, a true blue BYU fan and alumni or alumnus. And, and, um, so it's getting back to basics and part of the basics is, you know, for, for coach and, and what he's done, the beauty of what he did initially was come in and establish a culture. And so it's for BYU. I look at it. Let's go back and figure out what our culture really is. And some of those things are going to be football related. It's going to be, you know, we, we, we tackle, um, we move the football, those kinds of things, but other things are, you know, are going to be maybe not so much related to football. Uh, or, or somewhat really like accountability, let's say, and being able to reestablish what those values are. Somebody uh, told me once, I thought this was very interesting, we were having a conversation about culture. And he said that, uh, you know, culture isn't a heritage thing. It's not, uh, you know, a, um, you know, a race thing. That's not what culture is. Culture is values. And so I think for, for BYU, trying to reestablish culture is, is recognizing and understanding what BYU's values are. I'm always, you know, the guy that that is in the camp of we're not going to lose because of the honor system. We're going to win because of the honor system, right? Uh, the honor code and, and what BYU stands for. And it's like, well, we'd be better if we got rid of these things and, you know, they're holding us back. Those things are part of our culture. Those things are part of, you know, we, we do those things because we believe in them. And if we've stopped believing in them, then maybe we've lost our way as far as our culture goes. We might need to reevaluate our, what our values are. Uh, I'm not saying that's what's happening with this team. I'm saying that that's happened over you know, different times in in my time watching, covering, playing at BYU. So um, reestablish the culture. And Kalani can do that. Yeah. That's that's what he does. Yeah, he's great at that, huh? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. We, I was having this conversation with my boys, and, you know, they all played. Now, Kellen, yeah. my oldest, and he's going to be on the show with us next week, I think. Yeah. So Kellen started two years at Free Safety here. And and uh, what people will be interested in, when Kellen first came, they were bad. It was the yeah. bad, it was a couple of really bad years, and he came on his mission, went on his mission, and came back, and then he finished up, and they were really good, like nationally ranked, eleven games each year. And so, as we were talking to this, he sent this saying, and he said, he said, I don't know, and I just want to get your take on this saying. Yeah, he says, I don't remember who wrote this. It sounds like something Winston Churchill or somebody may have written, but he says, yeah. um, hard times make tough men, tough men make easy times, easy times make weak men, and weak men make tough times. Yeah. It's what's a circle what, of life. What's your thought on that? Because that, I mean, when 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 I think about it, as as we study, you know, as I study, let's say, you know, the gospel and the Book of Mormon, and the thing that becomes very plain is the Nephite pride cycle. For me, it's just the the, the cycle of pride, which was just described by the the quote that that, that uh, was a Kellen. Yeah, Kellen had. Kellen sent that, that to us. 
that that's exactly it. And so, you know, as you hear me talking about the Utah Jazz and hoping that it does, you know, they, they're able to maintain it. It's all about for every one of us in every aspect of our life where we're trying to maintain that because success seems to breed complacency. And so we got to figure out how do we, you know, choose humility when humility is really hard. When people are patting you on the back and saying, man, look at you, look how good you are. And it's like, you know, how do you choose humility in those moments so that you can, that we can have the character of a person that will not have to be compelled to be humble. For me, I'm, I'm totally that personality type. Like I have to be compelled to be humble. And if I could just be humble because of the word or choose humility, then I wouldn't have to go through, you know, these, these down cycles. But it, I mean, we, we've covered college football for 30 plus years. Texas has down cycles. USC yes. has down. Notre Dame has downs. They all do. Yeah. And so it's trying to figure out, okay, how do you sustain it if you can? Um, and there, there's always going to be times where you're going to have to readjust it. And keep in mind, it's just this is just four losses in the season. Right. You know, we're not talking about like, you know, BYU has, has been winless for three years straight. So, but still the, the, the point being, um, and to, to that, the, you know, the point that that quote is making, um, is you got to find ways to, to choose humility. And I think that if we can do that, then we avoid the pitfalls. And I'm going to take a parallel back to something that you said, Alema. Yeah. Um, you talked about, um, with, with folks that are, are suffering from addiction, there's different stages. And if you can get yeah. in earlier, and recognize what's going on. Maybe the fixes are a little quicker and a little yeah. earlier. And, and I think the good news, I feel like Kalani's recognized, this is a four-game losing streak, which they haven't had. They yeah. played some really good teams during this time. I feel like he's already dissecting and looking at seeing, and before it gets epidemic, and, mm -hmm. and they have a losing season, and then another losing season, I feel like he's already pulling some strings and doing some things and tying into some things to turn this thing around so this is a short, Lapse caught early yeah. in the cycle before it becomes a full-on pride cycle, and I, I, that gives me some hope. Yeah. And uh, and I think there are parallels there, right? No, absolutely, there there are because you know, again, whether it's our personal life or business world or you know on the football field, we're dealing with the same you know the same types of, of situations where the success does it's hard to to not get complacent when you're successful and we have been very successful over the years and now we have an invitation to the big 12 and then you know all the things that that means for for the program and so it's very easy to kind of lose sight of of what got got you there um and again in in recovery addiction recovery it's like okay let me go back to the basics the then the basics are prayer and connection with divine there, you know, humility and accountability. It's the same thing, regardless of what we're talking about. So uh, I agree that, that in, in, you know, the four losses is hard because we're spoiled. We're really spoiled as, as, as BYU football fans, our expectations are extremely high. That's not a bad thing. Uh, it actually helps us to, to recognize and try to remedy the problem before it gets too bad. And so um, we're, we're all looking for, in, and I don't know what it's like in the football office and if they just go, man, these, these people who are trying to diagnose us and, and <laughs> try to prescribe the remedy for us. 
um, because they know better than us what I always believe that, that the coaches have more information than we do. Yeah. And so, you know, I believe 100% that they've got the right leadership in place to figure this thing out and to make the changes necessary to get back on track. And th that could happen this weekend. You, you right. beat Boise State and all of a sudden it's like, okay, okay, see what happened when we got back to basics and we figured this thing out. We, we beat a team that's on a really nice run right now and and you know nobody picked us to win. So then then you can start to rebuild that way. And you can, you can talk about the chip that you just played with on your shoulder in this game yeah. that made you fight and and, yep. and made you focus so that you were in the right spots when you were supposed to be and convert yep. on fourth and two. We got to remember what that just felt like and we just won. And let's go do that next week and the yeah. week after. You're right, Alem. It can turn around really quick in sports. So yeah. fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, hey, we're gonna we're we're not gonna let it off the hook without five <laughs> questions. Yeah, we we'll do five questions thing. <laughs> it's Every, been it's been so good. Five questions. Bring it on. So um hey, before we do five questions, I, I was gonna I was gonna tell Alem, I don't know, I don't know if Krista told you. I was up in Salt Lake, and, and I just want to tell you this, because your boys are the sweetest. I love your boys. And and we I came out with one of my sales managers from my other business, and there was these two boys changing the tire, and I didn't recognize them right away. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh, look at those kids are changing that tire. And I, I didn't see your wife was around back. And, and so I go over and go, listen, guys, what, you guys need some help? They're like, yeah. And then your wife came around. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And we, we hugged. And I said, let us let us change this tire, right? So... So we changed the tire quick and we got her on our way. But the thing that I loved was I said, okay, see you guys. And your boys both came over and gave me a hug. Yeah. And, and they, you know, they know me a little from football camp and that, yeah. but I just thought how, how, um, it's loving kids are a blessing. Right. But that's yeah. a reflection of the parents. And, and I was really appreciative that they just came over and did that. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and, uh, you know, credit goes to my, my wife for, for the, the things that these kids are learning as they, as they grow up, but uh, um, yeah, it's that's where we learn it, right? We learn right. that stuff we're growing up, and some of us don't. And then you get into you know a situation where you have the opportunity to to learn those things. But but I don't think you find success or happiness without having those things. So we got to learn them along the way somewhere, right? Amen to that. So look, when you get a letter in the mail and it's a note from Blaine saying you owe him 400 no, bucks, this is where this came no, from. No, we do have a tire shirt. My guys <laughs> and I do a tire shirt. No. It's just, hey, and you know what, kids, remind me of the boys. Like, I know Chris, of course, but tell me the boys' names again. Gabriel and Isaac. Yeah, so tell Gabriel and Isaac I'm proud of them. And that I, I love that they come, came and gave me a hug before they left. That said a lot. They'll, they'll love that. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, so now now time for five questions. Okay. Favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Wow. <sighs> hey, remember, this show's only two hours, so. Brian's song. <laughs> oh, Brian, that's Brian, one that's we haven't heard school. that I love. Oh, tearjerker. Yeah. yeah. So favorite yeah. favorite singer or band? Here we go. By the way. Michael Jackson. Oh, nice. Jackson. He's going all old school. He's going old school. He is old school. That's how that so, so favorite breakfast cereal. Breakfast cereal is Fruity Pebbles. See, it, it, anybody that goes like some stinking like healthy cereal, we <laughs> kick them off the show forever. Someone went shredded wheat on us a couple weeks ago. They'll never be oh, back. Yeah, we're like, oh, sorry, no can't come back on the show. And not the frosted shredded wheat. No, yeah. no, yuck. So, so favorite BYU moment. Favorite BYU moment was 
probably the parade that we had after we won the national championship, keeping in mind that I did not play that entire season. I was a scout team guy in 1984, yeah. but I still remember that moment and, and feeling like, wow, man, we'd like, we really accomplished something very special here. So I'd probably go with that. Love it. I got to be part of that, so I love that one. Number five, favorite thing about Michael Smith, your jazz broadcast partner? Honestly, and you guys probably have this type of relationship too. Mike and I have these conversations when the camera is off that are just like so, um, they're, they're nutritional, you know? Like I, I get so much out of it. I don't know how else to say it, but we, we have these, you know, moments that we share and stories that we tell that is my favorite thing is is uh that relationship that i have with mike and and those little conversations we have when the camera's off that's awesome we people don't realize when you're in broadcasting covering sports you get to yeah. be part of a team just like you were when you're on the team playing sports and it's and so you get these great relationships yeah. like a family it's a family right yeah that's awesome. Hey, we are proud of you. We appreciate you. You're representing uh, BYU, and, and we congratulate you with how you do that. And, and most importantly, we are glad to be one of your friends. Well, likewise, guys. I really appreciate it when uh, I got the invitation to be on the show with you guys. I, I, I've i been telling everybody, hey, I'm going to be on with, with Blaine and, and with Dave McCann. I'm going to be talking to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, so and, I, I really, I, you guys are doing a great job of of covering the Cougars and and giving BYU and Cougar Nation something to really, to be ours. You know, we all want that. We want, you know, we want our guys doing it, and it's great when it's on national TV. But we we love all the coverage that that BYU TV and 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 you guys are bringing to it. So thank you for that. You got it. And tonight was our first shout out to the Bamboo Hut. May it yep. live forever. Yes, the Bamboo <laughs> right. Hut. Great Alema, memories. thank you. Thanks, Alema. Love you, Thanks, brother. Guys. The okay. great Alema Harrington. You see him before and after every jazz game. He does such a great job. And and uh, and he used to be with us. And and uh, and so we still claim him at BYU TV as well. Yep. So yep. outstanding. Before we get to our next guest, let's go over a couple of. Uh, pieces of information in regards to the football game on Saturday up in Boise. It's a 7 o'clock Eastern start, 5 Mountain. It's on FS2. That's where it's going to be because there's going to be a Game 6 most likely in the World Series that night on Fox. If that was to change, we'll let you know, but plan on FS2. So check, make sure you get that channel, and there are ways you can get it if you don't get it. Game day is going to start at 5 Eastern, 3 Mountain on BYU TV, which we know you get. Right. You get BYU. Everybody gets BYU TV, whether it's just direct, your cable system. So tune in with us, 3 o'clock. Um, this is the 13th meeting uh, between Boise State. Uh, Boise State leads 8-4 uh, and 5-1 and one in Boise, which is really crazy to me. Yeah, they've had our number up uh, they, there. And they've been a great partner for BYU during Independence. I've got a lot of respect for, for Boise and being there for BYU when they needed a rival and a, and a, a partner, um, and they've been great. So uniforms, BYU's going to wear the all-whites with the royal trim. I love those. Yep, they're, they're one of my favorites. It's going to be rainy, 60% chance of rain in the day, 40% in the evening, a rain-snow mix. But the high is 47. That's not too not, bad. Not too crazy for this time of year. Lows there. 34, which is still warmer than the other night. Oh my down gosh! Here. Yeah, that was yeah. And the Cougs have got a chilly eight point. Uh, they're eight point underdogs. Yeah, which is really surprising to me. And I I don't agree with that. If I was setting the line, I wouldn't do that. I'd call it a toss up right now. So I'm surprised even at home um, for Boise State that they're that much of a favorite. But you know, I guess people didn't like the way BYU finished last week. Here's some bad news. Cody Epps 
out for the season with a shoulder injury. So this yeah, is just news. another long, and he's been so good. Like his future is so bright, and that that really hurts to not have Cody Epps. And and BYU's down a bunch of backers too, and that that hurts on the defensive side. And Malik Moore likely not to play the rest of the season. They're starting free safety. A um, lot of injuries have yeah. mounted through this through this season that are they're impacting BYU. I still think they got enough guys left. To, to win if they play well this week. Broncos are 6-2. and two. They're on a four-game winning streak. They beat New Mexico, Tennessee Martin, San Diego State, Fresno State, Air Force, and Colorado State. The losses to Oregon State and UTEP. The UTEP loss is what caused them to yeah. start firing guys yeah, and they, rebooting. UTEP is currently 4-5. and five. They lost 27-10. They couldn't move the ball at all. So they changed some things on offense. They've been scoring much better. But keep in mind, this streak comes. Like, think about who BYU's played this year. Yeah. L- Liberty... I would would compete for a Pac-12 championship. I mean, that's how good Liberty is. We're going to see how good Liberty is this week, right? So, um, yeah, because they play Arkansas. They play Arkansas, on the road. but they look very, very good. East Carolina is really on a roll right now. Uh, so this win streak, um, they've got six wins this season. The only FBS team with a winning record that Boise State has beaten was Air Force um, two weeks ago. They beat them nineteen fourteen, and so uh, you know they beat. New Mexico, who's two and six, they beat San Diego State. This league this year, the teams that are usually really good, San Diego State's yeah. a perennial power. Not good. San Diego State's four and four and yeah. not playing well. Um, Colorado State's two and six. Fresno State, who's been good the last couple of years, is four and four. Um, when they beat Fresno, it was at the time they were one and four coming into that game. They've turned it around a little bit. So Air Force is the quality win. 1914. Boise State had 227 yards passing and 115 rushing. They're, they look really, really balanced. Yeah. Air Force has had 96 passing, which is not surprising, but they held Air Force, who usually goes over 200 to 175 yards rushing. So the defense has been been pretty solid all year long. The offense come alive during this during this streak, and so they're a little bit scary right now. Balance on offense, freshman quarterback that runs it and throws it, and really good on defense. But they haven't played a team the caliber of BYU this season since the beginning when they got beat by Oregon State 34-7. Let's hope the Cougs take their A game up there. Yes. We already know who's up there. T.J. Bass is a member of the BYU Alumni Board overseeing the Mountain Region, which includes Boise, Idaho, where the Cougars are playing Saturday night. It's a pleasure to welcome T.J. to the Wise Guys. T.J., thank you for being here. It's uh, it's uh, go Cougs, say it back. <laughs> this is going to be the last time. The Cougs are up there uh, for probably a long, long time. Kind of a bummer to have that rivalry tap out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're sad. We're sad for that, but super excited to move to the Big Twelve and uh, see the Cougs succeed at that level. So, so you're okay that they don't come to Boise anymore and and they don't have the rivalry as as long as they're moving on to bigger and better things in a P5 conference, huh? Well, you're asking one of the guys who's in charge of planning the tailgates, so. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you have planned for this weekend. Yeah, we have a great uh, lineup planned this week. Uh, So the tailgate uh, will be from 2 to 4 p.m., ahead of kickoff, of course. And uh, we're expecting Cosmo to show up for a little while and hang out and, uh, and greet the kids. Um, where will there be mint brownies for purchase? And maybe oh, nice. Some yeah, there you go. We have a special order coming up, uh, uh, fresh from BYU. We're not making those ourselves. We're going to, we're going to buy the real thing. You have to, you have to order them. Yeah. You got to yeah. get them from here. Right. So we'll have, uh, probably face painting, some music going on. And I think most importantly, um, we're, we're going to have a big service project uh, connected with this tailgate. And, uh, we're really excited about that. So we're, we're doing a couple of things. 
Uh, one more traditional service project for a local uh, rescue mission here, the Boise Rescue Mission. We're collecting clothes and, and, and you know, winter hats and winter gloves. Uh, we're heading into the cold season here. And the Boise Rescue Mission serves a lot of the, the homeless population. Something else we're doing, we know there's a lot of, there's actually quite a bit of animosity uh, between, <laughs> between Boise State and BYU, maybe more on the Boise State side. Uh, they really don't like us up here <laughs> and it's it's you get that when you wear your your BYU gear around town uh, but we're actually going to be collecting canned food for the Boise State student food pantry so about 35 percent of Boise State students have food insecurity or suffer from some form of of uh, hunger and so we're gonna we're, we're teaming up with Boise State uh, we're coordinating with the, the president of Boise State and and their crew uh, they're going to be asking their fans to bring canned food and we're going to bring canned food and and really show some love uh, at this last uh, last game in Boise for BYU for a while, unless they get into the Idaho Potato Bowl, which we would welcome. Yeah, on that, but I hope hopefully they don't have to do that either. <laughs> T.J. Bliss is with us, not Bass. I I, I typed out my own typo, uh, but T.J., you've got a unique job in the state of Idaho that sometimes puts you in a unique spot between when it comes to BYU and Boise State. Tell us about that. Right. So I work for the State Board of Education here in Idaho, which is the governing board for Boise State University. Uh, I work very closely with the administration there, and and uh, th that actually leads to a lot of opportunities. A lot of like this coordinating this service project, we're able to to do that without a lot of the the red tape, and uh, that's been good. Uh, but it has put me in an odd situation from time to time, uh, not in terms of who to root for, but where I'm actually sitting during the game and who I'm allowed to root for, perhaps. <laughs> That's been a, a challenge in the past. Wait, are you sitting with Cougar fans this, this Saturday, or are you ha having to sit over in that Boise State section? Oh, I'll be sitting with Cougar fans. Okay, thank, thank, so, thank goodness. I know a little bit about this story. So uh, in, the, in the game here recently, you are in the president's box of Boise State, full of Boise State fans, and you're a BYU fan, but they think you're... <laughs> They think you're tied to Boise State because of your job. That's that's called inner conflict, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was a bit of inner conflict. Uh, there <laughs> were actually quite a few BYU alumni in that box, but most of them were diehard Boise State fans. And uh, and I, I thought the problem, last year, you recall, we were favored to win that game yeah. uh, mm -hmm. big time. And so I, I fretted over what to wear and how not to be too obviously a, a BYU fan. Uh, and And... I worried about having to not cheer for BYU. I thought that would be my problem, that I would have to just kind of keep it in. What ended up happening, of course, is that I had to cheer for Boise State because everyone's doing fist bumps and high fives, and they just expect <laughs> everyone in there. I mean, the athletic director's sitting next to me, and it was a, it was perhaps the most painful experience of my life. But by the end of the game, once I got over the shock factor, we went down on the field, and it was really fun to see all the guys, both teams, playing hard and uh, – and I won't repeat that mistake, but hey, that's taking one for the team. Yeah, Sometimes that, you have to take one for the team. Hey, let, let's talk about something more pleasant than having to do that. When you were a student down here and you were in Provo, that was during Jimmermania time. What was that like to be in Provo and to be a student and, and a fan during Jimmermania? Oh my gosh, it was for for long, lifetime BYU fan like me. I grew up in Spanish Fork. I can you know I can see the why from my house. Uh, to be there during Jimmermania was absolutely incredible. And I, I had a, a different look. You, you probably all remember Kyle Chilton. Uh, mm -hmm, yeah. basketball. So he was in our ward. And, and so I got all of the inside scoop on, on, <laughs> on Jimmer from Kyle. I remember the day Kyle, they came over for Sunday dinner and 
he said, oh, I've got to, I've got to take Jimmy to the airport to go get the national player of the year award. And he was worried about his car being clean enough. And I assured him Jimmer probably wouldn't care how clean the car was, but <laughs> it was fun to kind of live that both sides and the, and the, and the media side of this, like seeing Kyle having to deal with all of that media attention and, and his and coach Rose said, your goal is to make sure Jimmer doesn't fail his classes. <laughs> that's a big goal. <laughs> that is, that's a lot of work. <laughs> that <was his> main <laughs> job. <laughs> so, but to be there in person, I went with my dad, he's passed away since then. And, Probably some of my best memories of BYU were sitting in the Marriott Center watching uh, watching Jimmer and, and and Jackson and just the whole team, Brandon Davies, the whole the whole crew at that time was just incredible. That's you can't funny. repeat that. I don't think you can repeat that. I don't think so either. It'll we, take we a, a special we a guy. Lot, we had a lot of fun covering him in those days. That was some of my fondest broadcasting memories were crazy games with Jimmer in them. So. Hey, before we hitch up for the keys to a BYU win this weekend, uh, is there a website or how can BYU fans who are not in Boise help participate in your service project? Yeah, that's a great question. So I uh, think they, they can go to the Boise Rescue Mission. That's the best place to go. Okay. Uh, that's that's BoiseRM dot. Let me make sure I get the right, uh, the right dot something, uh, not dot com. Boise Rescue Mission dot org, I believe. Yep. BoiseRM dot org. Do they need like to give a- your name or any of that kind of stuff or just come in as a, a cold donation? Just come in as a cold donation. You can donate. It tells you how much you can, how much it costs to buy, how many meals for the homeless. Okay. Uh, we'll let them know. They're going to set up shop uh, at the tailgate. So for people who are coming live, you'll get to interact with them. They're a, they're a ministry. They're they're a church basically, uh, which is really exciting. They'll probably be set up inside our, our cultural hall because it's going to be bad weather yeah. on Saturday. So we'll have an inside tailgate for those who want to be warm and probably stuff going on outside as well. That's awesome. So yeah, BYU alumni and fans are going to help feed Boise State students and those in need in the area. Um, that's awesome. And we love every week when uh, Cougs are on the road, there's a service project, and we think that's a great, great way to get exposure and, and do good things in the world and represent BYU. We appreciate you guys doing that, TJ. Well, we're excited to do it. TJ, give us three things that need to happen for BYU to win Saturday night, and we're going to write them down, and we'll revisit yep. them next week. We're going week. to revisit them, see how you did. Oh, man. Well, I'll, I've, I've been to several Boise State games this this season, and so I can give you a little insight. Scoop. All right. Uh, the, the, like you said, Boise State's on fire, so they're, they're going to have to contain they're going to have to contain the energy, right? Or they're going to have to match it. Let's say they're going to they're gonna have to rise up to the level Boise State is at right now. Okay, match energy. And recognize that. Uh, I mean, the obvious, they're going to have to play defense. I don't know what's going on with defense, but Boise State is, can run and throw. And they're going to have to tune out all of the chatter. I mean, you the stuff that happened in Oregon, uh, it's probably going to happen here. Yeah. So, so they're really going to have to focus uh, mentally. It's going to be a mental game as much as a physical one. Match energy, play defense, and tune out the chatter. Those be, are three and, keys. And the tune out the chatter is like mentally tough. Like you can't let them... Because I know those Boise fans, they'll get personal, right? And and the guys just tune it out, right? Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a key to the game for the fans as well. The BYU fans, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many do you think we'll have in there, fan wise? There's always a bunch, but somehow they they sometimes get their own tickets in their own ways. You know, this is the disappointing thing. It's it's a hundred dollars a ticket uh, for nope. anybody. No kidding. So that's going to diminish the number of fans that are there. Obviously the. The, the the momentum we have right now, so I, I can't even predict that. Not not as many as a normal year, and uh, probably not as loud and boisterous. So will, will those it be, that are there need to really like 
give that Cougar spirit up. Will it be sold out? Are the Boise fans buying yeah. them up at that price? So it's going to be a sellout because. Oh yeah, the game was sold out uh, three weeks ago. Or oh even wow, earlier than that. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're if you're a player and you're on the road. You much rather play in front of a hostile crowd than in front of a quiet crowd. So like, you can get energy from that just as well as you can from your home crowd. So I think BYU is going to like that. Mm, it will be hostile. <laughs> yeah, they they don't like us too much up there, do they? And uh, why no, is that? Do it's two yeah, what big is like, we powers in the talk West. About how appreciative we are. What do we do to series? those guys? Like I, I don't know why they don't like BYU. What's up with that? You know, I don't know. I was I we've lived here since 2013, and and. Uh, I guess I was obtuse to it or unaware of it, but it's, it's pretty stark animosity and, and some, maybe some of it's connected to the church. I don't, I don't think so. I think it's all really just centered around BYU. And, and I, I think from BYU fan, we have a lot of respect for Boise state. They, yes. they, crack, they crack the glass ceiling. I think all the teams who get a chance to play Boise state really respect that, but boy, the fans here, I, I don't know if it's, you know, their kids didn't get into BYU. So some of them are upset about that. Uh, we were talking about that earlier in twin falls today. Um, it's it's just something. It's like playing in, in Cache Valley. Do they it's, do they know that the greatest player in history of Boise State's a member of the church, Kellen Moore? Do they know that? Uh, they, if they do, they don't care. They're probably more upset about <laughs> the fact that some of the greatest quarterbacks at BYU committed to Boise State and then left. That's uh, true. That's true. That recruiting. <laughs> they don't like I, that I either. I get it. I get it. Hey, TJ, we appreciate all you do for BYU. Let all the alumni up there know about the wise guys. We're here every Tuesday night, and then they can follow us throughout the week and stuff. And uh, and it's all about uh, where the teams are, what they're heading, what they're doing, and then the great fans that, that surround them and, and make things happen, and especially with these service projects. So congratulations again, and we're going we're gonna to hold you to getting us a, a victory up there Saturday night. It's on you guys up there, the fans. All right, go Cougs. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it anytime. TJ Bliss, member of the BYU Alumni Board, which oversees the mountain region, including Boise. They got their hands full because it is hostile, but um, uh, the Cougs coming to town and and the great activities that that you can get involved in. And it sounds like you can get into that pep rally, which is indoors. Which yeah, is well, if it's going to be, be rainy big and deal. cold, indoors is the best place to be. Hey, so we got his keys. Let's let's revisit before Max comes on with us. Uh, and Max Hall is going to join us in just a second. Let's review Brandon Doman's keys to a victory last week against East Carolina. BYU uh, got beat 27-24 on a last-second field goal. Brandon was with us last week, former quarterback and, and, uh, and an outstanding uh, uh, BYU alum, and he rolled out three things that would need to happen for BYU to win. And then we said that we would revisit them this right. week on the show. Right. So he said, number one, that BYU needed to convert third downs because he said first downs equal touchdowns. BYU was 6 of 13. That's not awful. It's better than they have yeah, been they, they, So that's not awful. So that's just, just under 50%. That. We're going to give a check. He said, score each time they they cross the 50. Um, So I'm looking. So it says. So, oh, so they got crossed the 50. Five times, they scored right. on four of them. Right, so they scored four. The The problem was, and it put them in a position to win, right? Yeah. But the problem was they they scored early, and then they just went on a skunk at the end of the Like, they could not score in in that second half. And the one trip they got across yeah. the 50, they drove down to the 12, went four on fourth and two, and yeah, got Yeah, and didn't score. He said they had to score. When the, so remember, BYU got the ball coming out at half, and, and they went right down and scored, which we expect them to do, and then they did not score again. 
yeah. in that game. You can't. So that does not get, get a check down the stretch. We're not giving it. We're not giving a check. That's an X. And then thirty was said, get off the field on third downs. ECU was was just two of eight on yeah. third downs. And it's like BYU gave up some yardage in that, but I felt like defensively last week. They did some things. They created some third and outs when they needed to. We talked about complimentary football. You know, when uh, when they had a big punt return, BYU got to stop after the big punt return. They forced a field goal attempt and they missed. They, you know, on, on a quick change, you, it's almost like having a quick change when you get a long punt return. I thought the defense did enough to win last last week, and the offense needed to convert one of those two fourth downs. They had a third down opportunity where, where Mason Wade got knocked off of his route and then tried to turn it back up the field, and, and they couldn't complete the ball when they could have. Uh, the biggest one was that fourth and two when they went down. Maybe they should have kicked the field goal. but Yeah, but should have kicked it. Yeah, they probably should have kicked the or, field goal. Or done a different play. Get the ball to Puka. That's, yeah. I'm sure that play isn't sitting well with our next no, guest. No, no. Pleasure to welcome back the winningest quarterback in BYU history. He's 32 wins. That's more than Shidey, Nielsen, Wilson, McMahon, Young, Bosco, Fowler, Detmer, Walsh, Beck, Sarkeesian, Nelson, Hill, Wilson, and Hall. That's quite a list. And don't, don't he asks he us to read there, every Max? single name before he, throws, he comes on. He throws me in there every time. I <laughs> like that. It's a pleasure to welcome Max Hall back to the Wise Guys Live in Arizona. Max, how was that intro? Was that better than the last one? That was maybe one of the best intros of all time. Just keep <laughs> naming all those great BYU quarterbacks yes. and put me at the top. I'm good with that. <laughs> you got that. Yeah. Hey, how's the high school team doing? What's going on with the is the are the playoffs coming up? Yeah, uh we're we're doing we're doing really good. I actually just left practice to to come be with you guys, but we are um we are uh Seven and one right now. We got two more regular season games. Um, things are looking good. We're number three in our region and number 12 in the state, I think, right now. So um, seems like our team is kind of meshing at the right point. The offense is we're, we're growing. We're doing really well. So I think we got a good shot, man, to make a run in the playoffs. Now, your, quarter, your, quarterback yeah, your quarterback popped on with us last time yeah. uh, before the season yeah. began. How's he doing? The last, the last three, four games, he's been on fire like on fire in the last game that we played in at halftime, he was 15 for 16 for 250 yards and three touchdowns Wow! Um, against a very good opponent uh, in Higley high school. So um, it's fun, man. He's, he's getting better every week uh, and the team seems to just be hitting at the right time. So, and you guys are playing against teams. We talked about this last time, but for those that didn't hear um, you guys have had to move up. It's almost like the relegation and move up thing in, in soccer over in Europe even though you're not near the size of some of these other schools, you're playing up a couple of levels because you've been too good, right? Yeah. So in Arizona, how it works is they base, they put you in the conference based on your last three seasons. So if your last three seasons, if you're going deep in the playoffs, they're going to move you up a division. So in four years, we went from division three to division five, and that's really fast to move up two divisions, yeah. um, but, but it's a credit to, it's credit to our coaching staff, to our players, to our program uh, of growing and getting better. So, yeah, we have about 1,100 kids in our high school, and we're playing other high schools that have four or 5,000 kids in their school. So we're at a little bit of a disadvantage, but – we just scheme them up, Blaine. You know, we just, <laughs> that's all you got to do. You got to scheme them up. Max is the offensive coordinator and the head coach is Ty Detmer, which I just think is phenomenal. What kid wouldn't want to be on that team? I'd transfer just to have a shot at being the water boy of that team with these two guys. I come play quarterback for that team. So, Hey, your team, uh, the Cougs are four and five now. What's going on? What do, what do you see as the problem? I knew you guys were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> here's, here's my thing. I'm, I haven't. 
you know, I'm not watching every play of the game and rewinding it and really trying to understand what's going on. So from kind of an outside guy looking in, I don't know what's going on in the meeting rooms. I don't know, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, but you know, two games ago, it just seems like our defense could not get off the field. You're looking at 10, 11, 12 play drives every time they got the ball. So the offense is standing there for 20 minutes, not doing anything. And I think that disrupts the flow of the offense. And it, it, it was bad. Um, I, I only got to see the first half of, of the last game. Um, and it just seemed to me like there's just no, um, I don't know what the right word is. There's no momentum in the offense. There's no flow in it. There's no rhythm. There's no confidence. You know what I'm saying? It just feels like we're pounding our heads against the wall, trying to get first downs. And um, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what if it's scheme or if it's reads or if it's receivers not creating separation. I don't know what it is. But I, I think we have a great coaching staff who needs to just understand how do we just get the ball to our playmakers? How can we be creative and get the ball to our playmakers, maybe throw some more screens, some quick stuff, some quick games, some RPOs, do something. to Because, I mean, look at the guys we have. Yeah. Look at the guys we have. I love the receiving core that I had when I played, but I mean, this is a great receiving core. We got some, we got a great offensive line. So I think we just maybe need to be a little bit more creative, but again, guys, I want to preface that with, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in the meeting room. So that's just what I see. Yeah, It's, it's interesting. Cause we were just talking about it, Max earlier in the show, Dave and I, as we kind of got in and I just said, defense has struggled at times, but two of the last three games and then we, the reason we got in this conversation is because we were looking at the college football playoff rankings that just came out tonight. And every one of the top 10 teams just goes out and scores 45 a night. Like, and nobody notices that Tennessee gives up 30 something again because they don't care because they score 50. You know, TCU's number eight in that ranking, and, and TCU doesn't stop anybody, but they score every time they have the ball. And I said, college football has changed so much where outside of Georgia, Nobody in that top 10 plays lights out. I mean, Ohio State doesn't play lights out defense anymore. They Teams just outscore people. And 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 two of the last three games, BYU's defense, I'd like to see them get a couple more stops a game. But but in last week's game, they they turned back and, and forced a three and out after a long punt return. They, they got a short field and forced a field goal that was missed. Um, they had several three and outs in that game. BYU's offense... Scored on the first drive out of the locker room and never scored the rest of the half. Or the rest of the second half, they went they went punt, turnover and downs, punt, turnover and downs, punt, and they did the same thing in the Liberty game. I'm like, oh man, yes, the defense has a lot to do. They've got they've got to get better and they got to be able to defend the run better. But on the other side, people haven't talked much about the offense. I'm like, I'm with you. They've got to get some type of rhythm. Because in college football today, you got to score in the 30s or you can't win. And they just you know they lose a game. You lose games twenty-eight to twenty, and and you know you just you don't win. In the old days, we used to say if you could hold a team to twenty-four, you could win. You only had to score more than twenty-four. I don't think that's true anymore. I think you got to score in the thirties to win. Am I am I crazy? And am I looking things wrong, Max? I don't think you're crazy. And that twenty-four point thing is is funny because we had the same thing with Bronco. He was like, if we can score twenty-four points or more with no turnovers, it's like a crazy percent that you're going to win the game, right? right? But the the face of football has changed. We I didn't run any RPOs. We right. were running a ton of spread stuff. You know, the offensive they've gotten faster, they've gotten quicker, they've gotten more aggressive, and so you got all these things going on. And if you have a good coordinator, it's tough for a defense to stop you, right? Like 
you gotta, you gotta mix it up and be creative. You know, I kind of have this as me as a coordinator in high school, I kind of have this saying of being creative yet simple. Let's be creative. Let's do different things with motions and shifts and formations, but let's make it simple for our quarterback and get the ball to our playmakers. And I, I found that when you do that, things tend to roll. Now the receivers are more into the game. You know what I'm saying? You get yeah. more people involved, more people are excited to be playing. Um, but co- going back from that, because I don't like to, I guess as a coach now, it's not about offense. It's not about defense. What are we doing as a team? And I feel like right now the team is just not, we're not together. We're not meshed. There's not the same passion and excitement that you saw in the first couple games of the season, right? Yeah. It's just the feel is off, in my opinion. And I don't I don't know what that is, but I think I think Kalani needs to do something to, and I think he is doing it to change the culture to pay more attention to detail, um, to start doing the little things right because those things add up. And so that's what I see. If you're you're the coordinator on Saturday night and Max or uh, Jaron's gone into this hostile environment, little rain in the forecast at Boise State, uh, they want blood because BYU put 51 yeah, on them we, last we time they were up there. We were just talking to the alumni guy up there. He goes, Boise hates BYU. Yeah. So you got your quarterback there who's, who's struggled to put some games together and then at moments he shows some brilliance. What few plays do you start with to get Jaron Hall in a groove that might set his tone for the night? See, I like that. Um, I, I'm a big guy. Even when I played, I wasn't a big, hey, let's let's take a shot first play or do something like that. I needed to get into rhythm. I needed to complete some screens. I needed to maybe take off and run and take a hit or maybe get the back in the flat. You know what I mean? Just something simple concepts. Uh, maybe a, maybe a play action rollout naked or something like that, where I can dump it down to the tight end, something to get me going, to get me completions and give me some confidence as we go throughout the rest of the game. Right. And so I I would hope they would come out and be like, Hey, how are we going to get the ball to our playmakers? You know, what, what easy screens or, or drag screens, or how can we get the ball to the tight end over the middle? How can we use play action, but get the ball out of Jaron's hand quicker? Cause I feel like in our play action, he's sitting there, you know, hitching, hitching, hitching. And then he, takes off running or something like mix it up and again, creative yet simple. And I, I think that'll kind of get Jaron back in rhythm and going and get his confidence back up. It's interesting, Max, like the philosophy, you know, you, we, you and I both hate to go, Hey, back when I played, but, but guess what? When we both played, we had prolific offenses, top five in the country type offenses. We always used to say the one way we're going to be able to run the football in this game is if early in the game we make that D line, those linebackers run from sideline to sideline. Mm. So let's let's throw a swing, let's get it out on and out, the speed out. Let's let's throw a screen over to this side. Let's make that D line instead of pass rushing or defending the run. Let's make them run to the left sideline, and the next play they run to the right sideline. Backers are going back and forth and back and forth. And even if these are only four yard plays, that defense is running all over the place. Now you do that for a couple of drives, and now you run the ball. You're into the second group, or they're gassed, especially at elevation, and now you get an opportunity to maybe run the football, or you got guys that are running all over the place, and now you play action and you get a ball over the top. I, I, I love the idea of of making that defense defend the entire field sideline to sideline for a couple of drives and get them gassed a little bit. What, what about that? Yeah, no, I think I think that's great, and you always want to do that early on because you know defenses are excited, the D lines all pumped up. They're going to be coming after you. So, yeah, let's get them running. Let's tire them out. And um, I love what you said, too, because I think our offensive line is good enough that if we do what you just said, Blaine, if we if we make it simple for Jaron, if we get the ball out, 
maybe a jet sweep early. You know, I love that. No, they love that jet sweep thing. So get them running to side to side. And we have a good enough offensive line that we should be able to run the ball consistently. Right. But I, we can't be predictive when we're going to run the ball and what and what formation we're going to run the ball out of. How can we motion or move guys to different formations so we can get what the look that we want? Right. So, again, I don't know what's going on, but just from what I can see, we, we can we can do a few more things. And I like what you said, get the defense running early, because I think we have the line to be able to smash the ball in the second half. Max Hall, BYU's winningest quarterback in school history on the Wise Guys tonight, live from Arizona. We had Andrew George on a couple of weeks ago and Dennis Pitta before that. Both those guys say there's no one who likes to lose, and 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 no one hates losing more than Max Hall. I, you, I love that he said nobody likes to nobody. lose. Like, that's just a given. Nobody, nobody wants but to lose, nobody, but nobody hates it more Nobody hates it more than you. Uh, so you won 32 games here, never lost three or four in a row, but you guys faced some challenges along the way. What did you do to get through those as a team? Yeah, I remember, um, I remember, I can't remember if it was my junior or senior year. We, we had just lost to TCU and it was a big loss. Like it hurt us. Like it kind of knocked us out. I think we were getting close to the top 10. It kind of knocked us off and um, you know, I was getting some publicity with the Heisman stuff and cause we were playing really well, yeah. we lose all of that goes away. Right. And I can see the team, you know, the demeanor change. And so for me, I had to figure out something, how do I get us back on track? And for me, it was raising the intensity and in practice, raising the competitiveness and getting it to where guys are competing in practice to where practices are almost harder than the games. Um, I think that was the attitude that we took on from Bronco of, hey, we need to get after it more. We need, like I said before, we need to pay attention to detail. We need to be on time. We need to do all the little things right and and kind of take it personal and have a chip on our shoulder going into the next game. I don't see that energy and passion from our team right now. I see we lost. OK, we go to the next game. A couple things go wrong and everybody hangs their head. That's what I see. Now, I'm not trying to bash the coaching staff or the players or anybody, but having been a player and now a coach myself, the the momentum and attitude of the team, I think, means a lot on both sides of the ball. And right now, I think there's finger pointing going on and some controversy that I think is ruining the culture of the team. It's, it's interesting. Like You started that, that answer, Max, by saying, yeah, I decided that we needed to be more competitive yeah. and bring an edge to practice, which, which I appreciate because we, we've all of us that have played recognize that when things aren't going so well, it takes leaders inside the team. The coach can tell you to do something all he wants, but until some of the guys that are producing on the field say, guys, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we have to do and take that leadership mantle on their shoulders. And if it's going to get intense in practice, it's because the guys are going to do it. Um, so how much of that is on the players and how much can a coach really impact that? Well, I'm going to read you a quote by Mike Krzyzewski right now. Okay. One of my favorite quotes. He says the single most important ingredient after you get the talent is internal leadership. It's not the coaches as much as one single person or people on the team who set higher standards for that team than they normally would itself. Okay. One of the greatest coaches of all time said that it takes internal leadership and commitment and buy-in for a team to be successful, not the coaching staff. 
the coaching staff can scheme and do everything you want, but until the players are invested in what they're doing and believe in each other, scheme doesn't matter. We can throw all that out the window because you're not going to get the most out of your players. Steve Cleveland said last week when he's on it, players win games. That's what he learned as yeah, a head coach. He players goes, that's win the thing games. I learned because we asked him because remember when Steve took over BYU's basketball program, Max, they they had won one game. We're like. How do you change the culture? And, he's, and he talked about some things that he did, personal relationships, give guys confidence and all that. But he says, in the end, players win games, not coaches. Or fans. Or, or fan, like media. He's like, players do it. And he says, hey, when, it's when that he, when, saying of, hey, you're a coach is only as good as his players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, and once he got some players that were dogs that would go out, and then they started to win a bunch of games. Right? There so you If you didn't have a good quarterback, Ty would call you in the office and go, hey, why aren't we 7-1? and one? You go, we are seven and one because I got a good quarterback. <laughs> he makes both of you guys look good down there. That's that's yeah, what a does. player does. He does. Drew's doing a great job, man. Hey, what do you <laughs> think? Uh, a couple more questions for you. What do you think of the new media deal with the Big Twelve? That and what impact that kind of money uh, as BYU becomes a full partner, as much as fifty million a year uh, from the Big Twelve deal with Fox and ESPN. What do you think of that? Well, I didn't. Uh, that's the first I've heard of the new deal. I haven't heard about it yet. It was announced over Sunday morning. Yeah, they're, they're saying that when it's all said and done, BYU's that all, each team's share, based on the new extension, would come in at around forty-five to fifty million. And and Dave and I, we've seen some numbers where we think BYU at its best when they're maximizing everything that they do and playing in the NCAA. Like they maybe twelve, maybe ten, twelve million. So this is like five times what they've ever had. What kind of impact could that have? I think it's huge all around. I mean, not just like what they're getting uh, in the program or, or swag, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But um, I would love to see us use that money to be, to recruit better, yeah. um, to, to, to get more fan involvement and things. Um, and then whatever they need inside. But I, my biggest thing that I see is we need to spend more money going and getting, we need to go recruit. And, um, you know, I tell people all the time right now, ASU and U of A down here are not doing so well. A lot of Arizona players are wanting to leave state. And I don't think we recruit Arizona hard enough. Like there's some really good football down here. Yeah. And so I, I think recruiting, number one, and uh, number two, whatever, whatever they need internally. I don't know what that looks like, but. I don't know. What do you do with 40 million dollars, Blaine? I mean, yeah. what, what well, you, I'll tell you I what, what, what ends up happening is. It really benefits the entire program. Like yeah. all of the sports can have better facilities and better. You know what I mean? It's just, it really does. Um, and it, it's funny, kids these days, um, when they come on a recruiting visit, it's amazing to me how much facilities matter to them. You know, they walk in the weight room and go, "Well, this isn't as nice as USC's weight room." You yeah. know what I mean? Or, or this, and they go into stadiums and they go into locker rooms and they look at. Wow, that looks like an NFL locker room. And wow, look at the stadium. So I do think um, one of the first things Utah did when they started to have big-time money is they redid their indoor practice facility. They redid their locker rooms. They, they've they expanded Rice-Eccles State. Like, facilities, if you can get kids on campus for some reason. Like, I don't know that I cared. Did you care about what the facilities looks like, Max, when you were getting recruited? I don't remember that. I said yes before I even saw the facilities. You yeah, know what I mean? right. Like, it's a, but it's different now. They want to know what what uni well, combos that you have and what kind good. of facilities you have. So I think you have to invest in that. So when people come on campus, they go, yep, this is just as big time as what they just showed me at Texas. This is just as big time. This is way better than what I saw at ASU. I'm out. I'm going to BYU. So I think yeah. you're going to have to invest in some of that. 
and and that's kind of what I meant about recruiting and whatever they needed internally. So yeah, if they want to update the weight room, I know they just kind of did the locker room. They could maybe redo the locker room in the stadium. Like I, there's a bunch of stuff that they could do with it, right? But it unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, it is what it is in today's world, right? The the players love the drip. They love they love the show. They they love all that stuff. Even me in high school, I make fun of the kids all the time. Like, oh, okay, you got your towel on. What else? Okay, some wristbands on. Like, what's the swag look like? What's the drip like? You know, and they love it. You know, the whole look good, play good thing. So it is a different generation, and you have to appeal to that generation, or you're not going to get some of the top-notch players in the country that I don't think we're getting right now. Max Hall is with us. Before we get to your keys to the game for Saturday night, Alema Harrington was on the show earlier tonight, and and uh, another one of our friends been through a lot of challenges and, and conquered similar demons that you've conquered. He did say to, one, say hello, and two, he'd love to work with you and come down and spend some time with, uh, with your foundation and all the things that you have going on is – as uh, he's equally as involved in in treatment uh, for folks dealing with uh, with opioid struggles, but uh, Alema is another one of the great guys who've overcome so many things, and and uh, and both of you out doing a lot of good. I, I love Alema, and I, I remember right right when I was going through my thing and I got out, he was one of the one of the guys who reached out and let me know what he was doing and what he was all about, and. Um, you know, I would love to hook up with him. So yes, I, we got to get in touch somehow, and I'd love to work <laughs> we'll, with him. But we'll put you guys I, together because he—he he was like yeah. I, he, he just said he says I love Max, I appreciate Max, I, you know. And Alema went back to school and got his degree in that area and got certified. He's a licensed counselor, and he's doing—he's doing a lot of great things. And he says it's medicine for him to to be in that, along with doing all of his stuff with hosting all the jazz shows and do all that he does. He's doing this other thing on the side. He's like, I, I got to get together with Max. I love what he's doing. We told him we'd, we'd mention that to you and that somehow we'd hook you guys up. All right, Let's three, three uh, keys to a winning Saturday. Number one. Number one, get Jaron Hall rolling early. Like it. Number two. Number two, defense has got to play with more energy and passion. Energy on defense. Yep. Okay. And number three key, uh, getting a win out of there. Number three is establishing the run game. So if we get Jaron going early, like we talked about, yeah. and then can establish the run game, then the play action comes off of that. But I think you have to start not in play action. I think you got to do get the ball out quick like we were talking about, go to the run game, and then set up some of your play action. Great stuff. I like it. Hey, can we get a commitment from you tonight that uh, after you win the Arizona championship, you'll come back on and show us what that Talk trophy a, looks yeah, like? Yeah, we'd love that. Absolutely. You guys, you, you guys like, <laughs> hey, are you tracking? Like, is this is this something you guys, could you win that thing this year? Yeah, so, you know, Arizona has that open playoff yeah. where they take the top eight teams in the state, no matter what division, and they play the open playoff. We made the open playoff last year, and we lost in the first round to the number one team. We got the eight seed. Yeah, nice. um, I'm kind of back and forth, but I'd like to go compete for a five A state championship, and I think we got the team to go win it. So we're we're number twelve in the top eight get in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next two week and where, weeks and where we end up. So so if you if you end up say you end up eleven or ten, then they take the top eight, but then you just get to play in a championship in five A. Then right, correct. So that may be that may be the best thing that you could do at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's what we want to do. And you know, 
like it, it'd be tough for us and we're not quite there to where we can go beat the Chandlers and the, and the Hamiltons and some of the really big schools in our state. You know, they got 120 kids on their sideline. We have 50, you know, it's just the more depth and all that. Um, so I would rather go take these kids and have the experience of playing at ASU stadium and getting to try to go win a championship. And we got a great group of kids and I hope it works out for us. We're going to, we're going to work our butts off, see if we can get it done. I was going to say, it's kind of like, like Utah fans. I tell them to be careful. Like, and I know Max loves Utah fans now. He t- tells me he loves Utah fans now. I know you do. It's crazy. But, but you know, I hear Utah fans say, we need to get into the college football playoff. I'm like, we'll be, be careful what you wish for. Like, just go get in the New Year's Six where you can. Don't, yeah, start there. Don't go play Georgia right now and just get killed. Because that doesn't do you any good. Because they would get yeah. killed by Georgia. And, uh, and I say, be careful what you wish for. So sometimes it's okay to be, at, you know, be in a New Year's Six and not be in that CFP. I think BYU'd be thrilled to be in a New Year's Six. Hey, we're proud of you, Max. Good luck with the rest of the high school season, and we hope to talk to you soon. When are you coming up next, by the way? Are you going to make it for the Utah Tech game, or uh, are we looking next season? I'm going to try. Trust me, if I can get up there, you two will be the first ones to know because I want to be on the show. I want to be front and center. You know, we will so, put you uh, front and we'll, center we'll, on you, game if day. You're up, tell if you us get if you're up, up and we'll put, we'll put you on, on game day, our countdown show. I would love to. The hardest thing right now is my son has games every Saturday that I coach. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got his his Pop Warner stuff going on. That's why it's hard for me to get up there. But Understood. I think we have a bye coming up soon, and I'm going to try to get up there. I'll let you know. Hey, th- this weekend, land at my Landon's team playing in the championship. This weekend, championship weekend it's this that weekend. Pop Warner time of year. And it's working. I'm flying home. I land at 9.50. That game's at 11.00. We got to be in studio at one. Like it's the perfect Saturday. Yeah, I love it. That's a good one. So, Max, Sounds like it. We'll talk well, to you tell soon. Him good luck for me. Okay. All right, Max. Thanks, brother. Max Hall, outstanding quarterback and uh, offensive coordinator. Thank you, Max. And and uh, we love that he hangs out with us on the show. And and uh, and yeah, we'll get him on game day. If he comes up, he's on. He's on game day. There, there's a few things you get, and and it seems like every time we mention that he's the winningest coach uh, quarterback, quarterback in, yeah. we, we should get like a sandwich or something like from him, like lunch, lunch with Max every time we mention. <laughs> so he probably owes us like five lunches already. But if he comes up here, he's front and center on game day. Yeah, I, I do, I do love um, love his attitude. Him, like it, it's a really good thought because this is a quarterback. He said that when he played, and think about it, Max elite, elite level college quarterback and was, before he ran into his struggles, he was a start and got injured. He was a starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals in the National Football League. This is a high, high level competitor. And what did he just tell us? When I was playing, I needed, I didn't want to throw the ball vertical early. I needed to get in a rhythm. Coach needed to get me in a rhythm. I needed him to call some screens, some quick throws, like some easy, yeah. high, high percentage throws, complete a few balls, maybe run the ball, get knocked around a little bit, and then I was ready to roll. And that's what he's suggesting for Jaron Hall this week against Boise State is get him in a rhythm, get the offense in a rhythm, make the D-run sideline to sideline, and then settle into what you're doing, but let that guy feel a rhythm early in the game and get going. I, I think that's great advice from Max Hall, who's one of the one of the greats at that position, and now a coordinator on, uh, um, in his in own right school. down there. Hey, TJ Bliss, who was on with us earlier from, uh, from Boise, running the alumni activities up there, he texted to say that Chad Lewis is going to be there at the tailgate on Saturday. So you can swing by and see Chad and say hello. He's been on this show as well, one of the great Cougars. So Chad Lewis will be up there uh, with some others and Cosmo in that group at the tailgate Saturday 
in Boise. Let's go over some news and notes. Uh, I love that we have time to do that today. We've had some great guests. Speaking of guests, Kellen Fowler is going to join us next week in studio. And so is Brandon Campbell, plays bass guitar for Neon Trees. He'll be here. We challenged him to see if he could play Rise and Shout on his guitar. Uh, Caleb Chapman played it on his saxophone. Can he do it? Can he do Rise and Shout? I'm not sure. You, you gave sure. him the heads up. I gave him the that, heads up. And that's, that, that's our I hope he's practicing. And if he's listening right now, maybe he just started practicing. <laughs> um, David Nixon will be with us on November 15th with DeLewis Porter, NASA pilot, BYU grad. That's going to be fun. Ben Cahoon, Tyler Hawes. Will be with us November twenty second. Yeah, excited about. But we just we had a great lunch with Ben the other day, and uh, I'm excited to have Ben on. He's, he, when he left the CFL, he was the all time receiving leader in in Canadian Football League history. History, history. So he's a great receiver at BYU. I just remember all of his acrobatic catches. Like it didn't matter where the yeah. ball was, you'd go, well, no chance. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what? Did he just catch that? He caught how, how some did he great just catch passes, that? some yeah. Sarkeesian and the like. Uh, and we just got confirmed Glenn Kozlowski is going to join us on November 29th. So look forward to some great guests in the month of November. All right, some news and notes. Cougars in the NFL. We'll make our football picks this day in history. That's going to ride us out over the next 16 minutes. And let's start with something we've kind of talked about a little bit already, this Big 12 media deal, right? which was announced over the weekend. The Big 12 signed a six-year extension with ESPN and Fox through 2030 and 31 worth over just, uh, just a little bit over $2.2 billion. BYU joins the Big 12 next July we're not terribly sure how the payout structure is going to begin, but we think it's tiered for the yeah, four I, new I think members. Like maybe you get a half share, and then it, it goes from there for the, for the first couple of years. So. But uh, Iowa State's athletic director texted over the weekend when the deal was announced that he's saying that it's pretty much going to be about $50 million annually for each school from this deal. And I saw some quotes from Baylor's AD, who we, we got a good chance to meet and interview, and their president when they were up, um, basically confirming that. He, he, um, the AD said... The numbers that you're seeing, I can confirm, are quite accurate. That's amazing. Yeah. When you, and look at this. Uh, let's put that long-term uh, perspective here. BYU has never announced what they make each year from ESPN. Yeah, right. We've just assumed through this and that and people we talk to that's around $12 bucks to get five home games. Uh, and, and then BYU TV gets the other one, like we have Utah Tech coming up on November 19th. So let's just say it's 12, but if you multiply that 12 by four, four, and then you add two more million, that's what you get with the new Big 12 deal every year. <laughs> and that, now forecast that over three years as an independent with ESPN, let's say 36 million. And, and again, that's unconfirmed, but that's ballpark. New member of the Big 12 at that rate would be 150 million. That's that's why you have to that's why to credit Bronco, independence is not what what was his word? It's not um it's you, not, he said it's not sustainable. Not sustainable. It was sustainable for twelve years and it got BYU into the Big Twelve. Not sustainable forever unless you're Notre Dame and you have your own deal, and even they have a side deal with the ACC. Right. But um I'm, I'm sure my goodness. I'm sure NBC's deal for Notre Dame is similar to this. Right, it has they're, to they're the only ones that, that can do that, and they have a scheduling agreement with ACC because that's another thing that's difficult. It, it's funny, it, you look at this schedule BYU has this year. When they scheduled Liberty in East Carolina a um, number of years ago, Tom Holman, he's filling up, going, okay, we need to have some winnable games. 
Let's get East Carolina. We'll pay them a half a million to come in. Let's do a home and home with Liberty. Liberty's just an upstart. You know, it's just like Liberty's a great football team right now, and East Carolina's on a roll. Like, you don't expect those two teams to be that. You just never know what you're going to get. Of course, when they scheduled all those Pac-12 teams last year, you didn't realize that you were going to be that good and and go undefeated against the Pac-12 and 6-1 and one against P5s. Like, you have to schedule so far ahead, you really don't know what you're getting, and you don't have the resources of a bunch of the schools. Certainly, BYU has more resources than East Carolina and Liberty, but you don't have the resources of an Arkansas. Yeah. You don't have the resources anywhere near what a Notre Dame has or a Baylor or any of these schools that they're playing, but they're going to. They yeah. will. Yes, they are. And and when they do, and, and then scheduling becomes a breeze because you have a league schedule, and you can schedule light at the beginning of the year to, to navigate some wins early in the year and guarantee that you get bowl eligible every year. Things are going to get a lot better for BYU. And we talked with Max about some of the things you can do with all that money. I, I was happy at a church uh, where everyone, uh, every time you turn around, is asking you about what's wrong with the team. And and this Sunday, because that Big 12 announcement came out early, yeah, uh, they'd say, what are we going to do about our Cougars? I'm like, did you see the Big 12 media deal? Yeah. No, and I told him that. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, got backed off the ledge and realized the future – is going to be awesome. And but they, we're going to lose a bunch of games before it gets awesome. And, and both for Mark Pope and for and for Kalani, going to be tough to compete early on, right? But the dollars and the facilities to be able to get and the type of player that's going to want to come play in that league is going to allow BYU, mark my words, they're going to be competitive in that league in football and basketball. Yeah. Um, and it may take a little bit, but with the kind of resources they're going to have, I, I, I believe that they're visible enough that they'll, the level of player that they're going to get is going to be better. So. Cross-country news, BYU's men and women's teams dominated the WCC championships. They are the first sports on campus to finish their run in the WCC. It's kind of exciting before joining the Big 12. They go out in style. Listen to these top 10 finishes for the men. They took first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and ninth. That's just and that's for the women, domination. For the women, the Cougars finished one, four, five, and nine. Yeah. Men are number two in the country. Women are number five. Up next is the NCAA Mountain Regional in New Mexico, and then the uh, NCAA Championships on November 11th. BYU is the defending individual champions on both the men's and women's side. Remember last they, year? They could win it. And now the teams are going with a shot to win it. So shout out to everybody involved. Ed Eystone's been on the show. Him and his staff. Dominance in the WCC. Well, and and... and Cross country and in track and field in the spring, that's a sport um, on the men's and women's side where BYU can go right into the Big 12 and compete for championships day one. Absolutely. Which is really, really fun. So how about BYU basketball exhibition game? Um, that's going to be tomorrow night. We talked about this earlier in the show. Um, they're going to play Ottawa, not Ottawa, Canada. Ottawa, Arizona. 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV. Um, pre-game coverage is going to start at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. Uh, the game, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain. So we've got Tyler and Jaron, um, and we're, we're part of that pre-game show as yeah, well. Yeah, so an hour pre-game for all the basketball games, right. whether we're doing them or not. Right. And then uh, and then when we're doing them, it makes it fun. We just go right on yeah. into the show. So, some really fun. We did that blue and white game, some real fun new faces that, that yep. people are going to see out here. Um, let's start with Rudy Williams, the Coastal Carolina transfer. Man, what a personality he is, and I think he's going to be a dynamite player. He'll be manning that point. He'll start at point guard. Jackson Robinson, transfer from Arkansas, um, long athletic player. His role yet to be determined. And then Noah Waterman from Detroit Mercy, who grew up in upstate New York, not far from me, tiny yeah. little Christian school that he went to. 
This is a 6'11", dude, that can step out and knock down threes. 45% three-point shooter career. He's going to bring a new element to BYU. He'll play a stretch four. You get Foose down in the paint and him out there stretching stretching defenses. It's going to be really fun. And then some familiar faces. I mentioned Foose, Fusene Traore, Gideon George, Atiki Ali Atiki, Spencer Johnson, Trey Stewart, who looks phenomenally in shape. Yeah. How about Ali Atiki, um, Atiki Ali Atiki? They were doing like a jump test the other day. He jumped up and touched 12-6. That's, 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 that's me on top of a ladder that's stretching. That's two and a half feet over the rim. That means his armpit is on the rim. Let's see some dunks. Let's see some dunks this Let year. me tell you how many shots you can block from 12-6 <laughs> up there. So that's going to be really, really fun. And then some new freshmen, couple, uh, some yeah. return missionaries that are going to be big-time contributors. You've got Dallin Hall back from a mission. Richie, uh, Richie Saunders, who really has looked good early on here, back from a mission. Tanner Toulson, who we saw make a couple of threes. We had his mom on the air when he knocked down a three. That was a cool moment. Got a coup out of her right there. Yeah. Uh, he's a great shooter. Uh, Braden Moore, a freshman from Nashville, Tennessee, who's looking uh, good and physical. A lot of new faces, but a lot of talent. This is Mark describes it as a very skilled team, meaning they've got quickness, they can handle the ball, and it's a team that should be a really good shooting basketball team. So join us tomorrow night for the exhibition game on BYU TV, and we'll watch all these guys play and kind of get a feel for them before the Bengals of Idaho State come in uh, next Monday. We'll have that one too. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, we're double, we're football, basketball. We're, we're, we're in crossover is, season. so This you're, is a great time. You, a lot of fast food in there, you're too. You're going to so. get a lot of us <laughs> in, in the next couple weeks. So. Women's basketball, the season opener is next Tuesday, November 8th at Colorado State. The home opener is Saturday, November 12th against Montana State at 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain on BYU TV. Amber Whiting's New Look Cougars, they defeated Westminster in an exhibition game last week, 72-51. to 51. Lauren Gustin, 25 points, 24 rebounds. What? She's going to be she it was like, Shaley gone. I said that the first time I Gustin. said the first time I saw that right after the game and I, every time yeah. I read that I'm going what? Yeah. 25 and 24? That's the definition of a monster game. So we look forward to seeing her play so, all year long. Yeah, women's volleyball, they're number 18. Um, they're at San Francisco on Thursday and at Santa Clara on Saturday. So a, a Thursday Saturday road trip. Next home game is against Pacific on November 10th on BYU TV. Women's soccer, the Cougars still number 13. They play at San Diego tomorrow, Wednesday, and then wrap up the WCC regular season Saturday at LMU on BYU Radio. BYU and Santa Clara battling for first place. They tied each other. I hate that there's ties now. Nil to nil, or zero to zero, and uh, so they may have to settle it. At least in the postseason, they go to the penalty kicks and right. overtime and stuff. Thank goodness. BYU's got six ties this year. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I like I like going to what I extra time and then and then penalty kicks, in my opinion, that's the way to do it. But they're not doing that in women's soccer now. So um hey, after further review. Don't forget about after further review. Uh, we're gonna talk about Bronc busting next week because they play <laughs> the Broncos. Um, that's next Tuesday. We'll break down BYU's last blast at Boise State. We're going to look ahead to the home finale against Utah Tech on November 19th. Um, so next Tuesday, join us. Um, that's available 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain, streaming on the BYU TV app. Um, just before uh, uh, an all-new Wise Guys. Next, so you can you can watch that show. You can stream it live um, f- or stream it from 5 to 6. Then come join us here on Wise Guys Live. From it's a win-win. Every Tuesday night. All right, before we get to our picks, let's play um, where were they and where are they now. Okay. On, on the morning of September 10th, just to give you an idea of how college football has played out for a bunch of schools 
that uh, were on this track, and then all of a sudden they're on this track, and they didn't see it coming. On the morning of September 10th, before BYU's big win against Baylor, this is what it looked like for a number of teams in the top 25, all with huge expectations. And uh, this, this, the, where they are now also includes the new playoff rankings right, right. that came out. So then BYU is number 25, now unranked. Right, and remember, they moved up to 12 pretty quickly, um, and now they've, they've dropped off at 4 and 5. Number 9, Baylor, unranked. is now unranked. They're 5 and 3. Number eight, Notre Dame, unranked. Yeah, five and three. Now those two still at five and three. They had a chance if they if they. But like Notre Dame plays Clemson this week, right? That's not going to work out for them. You don't think they're going to be Clemson? No. I th- I think it'll be cl- there. Notre Dame's the kind of team that just stays close to everybody, but not winning enough. So, how about number six, Texas A and M? They're Under. unranked in three and five, and they got players leaving. They're a mess. If, if, like we think BYU fans are out of their minds when Texas A and M is three and five. They're really starting to freak out. How about when Oklahoma, who was number seven on September 10th, is sitting in here in November unranked? Yeah, Yeah, at five and three. And then number 15, Michigan State, unranked. And 18, Wisconsin, unranked. And Wisconsin fired their coach. It's it's madness, but we hate losing. We started the show by that everyone wins. We hate losing. Everyone does, and And, and a lot of teams are. And and who was it that came on with us and said there's high expectations? As expect, as always, high expectations was. I think that was a lemma where it's like we get spoiled. You know, they they're ten and three last year, yeah. with with a P five schedule last year. Right, and they're eleven and one the year before, of course, because of the pandemic. So then we just expected to continue. And you expect they're just going to win ten. But I'm telling you, in the in the Big Twelve, even when BYU's loaded and the money starts to take an effect, and they've got as much talent as anyone. Look how good TCU is this year. They've had a couple years where they've been down. Yeah. And and what happens in that kind of league, you know, BYU's used to playing, hey, honestly, when I played, when Max played, we played two decent, two P5 teams a year at most and, and play in a league that we could just tear through. Um, and so, and I think the league was better when Max played and when, when TCU was there and Utah was there and they were good. It was good, a tough, right? tough one. Um, but, but even then, the bottom half of that league was awful. Um, so when you're in the Big 12, an off year isn't nine wins. That, that's what BYU fans are used to, an off year being nine. Uh, an off year when you're rebuilding is you hope to get to six or seven and get to a bowl game, and then a typical year is eight wins, and then when you really have all the magic come together and you win 10 or 11, then you're ranked in the top 10. Yeah, and everyone's happy. Right. A uh, question from John Stone. What's going on? Why isn't Isaac Rex getting the football? They're, they're running routes for Isaac, and they're just, for some reason, they're not seeing the middle of the field. I, I, there were some routes last week where I saw Isaac. Tight ends are open early, yeah. and you got to hit him early in the route in, the, in those seams. I just feel like, for some reason, Jaron's not seeing that part of the field. And the big throwing lanes are just kind of out on 45-degree angles, and when you've got wide receivers as good as Puka and as good as Chase Roberts and as good as his... Uh, um, Cody Epps when, yeah. when he's healthy, um, Romney when he's healthy. Keanu. You know those guys are getting big time separation. That takes away a little bit, but I would I agree. I would like to see a little bit more focus on getting the ball early to the tight ends. I feel like tight ends are chain movers. Remember Brandon Doman said first downs equal touchdowns. Touchdowns. Yeah, that's and true. You just move the chains. Tight ends are chain movers. Yeah. Isaac Rex can be a chain mover. And we talked about early throws, getting the ball out quick. Screens, quick throws, quick dump-offs to the tight end. Those are some easy throws. Bootleg passes. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think tight end needs to be more involved in the offense. All right, here's our football picks. Last week, uh, I lost four of six. It wasn't a great week for the Wise Guys, I'll be honest. I lost four of six. You lost three of six. You yeah. picked up one because you went with the Utes, and, and there was just no way I was, I was yeah, going to do And that. the Utes, I'll tell you, at the end of half, I thought, man, Utah's going to lose this. And, and you talk about officiating. Like, that targeting call on Washington State at the end of the half killed them. Killed their momentum. And, it, and to me, it wasn't targeting. They kicked their best defensive player on the field for Washington State off for the rest of the game. And Utah was lined up to kick a field goal. The review comes down from the booth, and they get a touchdown. That was a killer. Game-changing. So. That was a killer. All right, here's our picks. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia. This one's the toughest one this week to pick. Because Tennessee, Tennessee just hopped them in the new poll. Tennessee is the lights-out team offensively. One of the best offensive teams I've seen in college football. And Georgia's the best defensive team I've I'm going, seen. I'm going Georgia. Okay, I'll go Tennessee just for fun. All right. That, that's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know the spread out I'll of Vegas Tennessee. on that. Uh, number 24, Texas. At number 13, Kansas State. I, Texas keeps wanting to be back. I think Kansas State's going to win at their place. I do, too. Okay, so, all right. Now, here's another tough one. Alabama, who's number eight in the new poll, or number six, LSU is number ten, and it's at LSU. At LSU, uh, I th- LSU's I th- been playing better as of late. I I, th- I think Bama is gonna write is is gonna go down is gonna go to LSU and win. Yeah, I'm not so sure that um, LSU can just fix it all in one season. Yeah. Yep. Clemson, number four in the poll at Notre Dame. I already told you I'm going with Clemson. Yeah, I'm going with Clemson, too, but I think Notre Dame's going to keep that one close. They'll keep the score down. And this is one that's just like, you know, Wake Forest 21 at North Carolina State 22. This is one of those where it's like, well, I'm not I'm not really sure who's going to win. I'm going to go with the home team. Yep, I'm going to do the same, North Carolina State. So the only one we have different is Tennessee. I got Tennessee and you got Georgia. Okay, that's so. going to be awesome. Awesome game. Cougars in the NFL this week on Sunday. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, and the Chargers are at the Falcons. So those two are going to tackle Tyler Algier, who's starting for Atlanta. Tyler, got a touchdown. I got Tyler Algier on my fantasy team. He's doing me so I just good. picked him up. Just well, picked him up. So, but, you know, I have Christian McCaffrey and Chubb. You have Chubb. Yeah, yeah Chubb's off this week, so you yeah, might put I'm, I'm I'll have there. Tyler play for Chubb, and then I, I'll put I'm Pollard in because he's in one of my reserves. Oh, yeah, put yeah, him in. So I'm okay with that. The Cowboys might be off this week. Yeah. Check that. So, hey, the Panthers, um, Brady Christensen uh, at the Bengals. Uh, Jamal Williams scored a couple of touchdowns Sunday on my fantasy. He's the most touchdowns in the league, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Packers at the Lions. Uh, that should be another nice day for Jamal. Yeah, and then the Bills at the Jets. Zach Wilson threw tough. three interceptions this last week, and the Jets fans are out of their mind. They need to chill out. And he threw for three hundred something like, yards. What, what, hey, they haven't won this many games like in a, forever. They and they're not going to. They're not going to beat the Bills. Out. The Bills. The Bills defense is going to. This well, is, the jo- schedule getting tougher for And Josh Zach. Allen is the standard in the league at quarterback. The Vikings and the Commanders, Dax Milne, who's having a nice season playing special teams and getting some rotation at wide receiver. Ravens at the Saints. Monday night football with Taysom Hill, front and center, and Danny Sorensen. They, they're starting to use Taysom a little more, which is he's, smart. He's throwing the ball. He's playing quarterback get, get, and throwing it. You get the ball in his hands, things happen. Right. You leave them in other people's hands, and, and all bets are so off. So good. This so day good. in history, November 1st. You know, it's it's amazing how fast October went, even though it was four losses and no sacks. November 1st. Um, but here we are. It, it all starts So we're going to go anew. all the way back to 1512. Yeah. We're going to start in 1512. One of my favorites, um, and I've been to this place and seen this, which is pretty cool. Uh, the first public viewing of Michelangelo's paintings on the Sistine Chapel. We painted that ceiling of Sistine Chapel. So this, at the today's Vatican. the first you could actually go see it and go, 
What is up yeah, there? It's pretty amazing. Now, fast forward to 1800. John Adams becomes the first U.S. president to live in the White House. Yeah. Where was George Washington inaugurated? On the steps of the federal building on right off of Wall Street in New York City. Yeah. So. Different. But we know there was a, because we saw the musical Hamilton, we know there's some type of a backdoor deal between <laughs> the Virginians and and going with, you know, Alexander Hamilton worked a deal with the guys from Virginia to move the capital down there and he got his way. Yeah. But, and everybody wanted to be in the room where it happens. That's a Hamilton. Okay. Quote. So 1966, Sandy Koufax becomes the first three-time winner of the Cy Young Award, uh, Dodgers. Also that year in 66, the NFL awards a franchise to New Orleans. They picked the nickname Saints because it alludes to November 1st, which the Catholic faith recognizes as All Saints Day. That's how the Saints became the Saints. I didn't know that's how they became it. So 1966 today. 1982, Honda opens up its first U.S. plant in Ohio and produces the Honda Accord. Didn't everyone have one of those, it seemed? Yeah. When we were in school, everybody had one. And if you didn't have one, you wanted one. Yep. 1994, on this day, the Bulls retire Michael Jordan's number 23. Yeah. And then in 1997, Titanic makes its premiere in Tokyo. 1997, on this day, the ship sank. Yes, it did. (laughs) Titanic. What a movie that was. You know what? I've never watched it from start to finish. Why? Because I'm not interested in watching a, a ship full of people I've come to enjoy go down. You got to watch it. And because there's some I, big, I'm weird that there's way. There's some big questions like, was there not enough room on that floating piece of wood for, for both of them? It's, like, why did he have to drown? Why couldn't she just slide over a little bit and let him climb on the piece of wood with her? Seriously. No, I got he, a lot of questions. He had, to dry, he had to die and she had to live. So, yeah. And that's, that's uh, now Celine's song. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey. Um, and I've a, seen her sing that I, in person a few times. You it's watch just like the end. Is, don't you ask that question every time? Like, why doesn't she just slide over and let him climb up there on that piece of wood with her? Yeah. No, he just Team sings. player. And then she has to let him go. Birthdays today, 1935. Gary Player. One of my favorites. When, when, when Great Gary, golfer. He, when I was at the Masters this year, Gary, and uh, uh, he let off the um, that first tee on the par three. Man, players just revere him. Pretty yeah. cool. So and his swing is still silky smooth. Nineteen sixty, Fernando Valenzuela, the Dodgers pitcher. I didn't like the Dodgers, so I didn't like him, but he was good. He almost turned around backwards before he delivered. The ball. <laughs> and Tim Cook's birthday, Apple CEO today, nineteen sixty. And then how about the great sweetness deaths? Nineteen ninety nine, Walter Payton, the, the great running back of the Chicago Bears, teammate of Jim McMahon, passed away on this date in nineteen. Just before he died, uh, a little bit before he was doing a banquet speaking to the NCAA in Vegas, and I was the MC, so he and I sat next to each other for about an hour and a half having lunch talking about McMahon and the Bears and BYU. Jimmy was great, but the reason Jimmy wasn't greater is because sweetness was behind him, and they just tossed that ball to him a lot. I still can't believe they gave the ball to the fridge in the Super Bowl and not Walter Payton. Yeah, why? That's that's probably the the biggest mistake the Bears ever made. All right, our Lavelle quote will take us out. And actually, we're going to listen to Caleb Chapman play Rise and Shout on the saxophone. We usually play that after BYU wins, but it's been so long. We, we need to get some karma back. We need to play it so that so, they will win. In the wake of the Big 12's new $2 billion media deal, which BYU will be a part of next July, we look at the time Lavelle took on the Bowl Alliance and got it to expand to at least consider now Power 5 teams in conferences like, uh, like they were in the WAC. Yep. It's like, hey – Consider us, treat us somewhat equal. And this is what he said. Yeah. So, by the way, Lavelle did a lot behind the scenes for college football. He's revered for what he did. It's a step, no question. Obviously, it's not what any of us wanted, but it's at least a step. 
We can now say we're part of the alliance. However, I hope it's not perceived that they bought us off and we're going to go away. It's not fair. It's not right. We still need to fight. We can't let them go away and hide. Other schools are taking a major share of the pot, and that's still a major sore point as far as I'm concerned. But at least this is a step and better than what we had in the past. Membership in the Big 12 finally brings BYU to the big time, both in compensation, bowl access, and money. Things that BYU did not get when Lavelle had to go fight and make this statement. Something to rise and shout about with our friend Caleb Chapman to wrap it up tonight. he threw some new orleans in there at the oh, very yeah. end that's it that's caleb chapman one of our greats uh, great byu alum thanks to alama harrington tj bliss and the great max hall next week kellen fowler and brandon campbell from neon and, trees and both are gonna be in studio with us in studio yep, so everybody in studio next tuesday we will see you tomorrow night at the marriott center at nine eastern seven mountain on byu tv for the basketball exhibition game it's ottawa and then we'll see you saturday at the football uh, at game day just before the two hours before BYU and Boise State on BYU TV, and then the game's on FS2. So we've got a busy week ahead, and, of course, next Tuesday for more Wise Guys. And Monday night for basketball. And Monday, do we have a game next November Monday? 7th, is that Monday oh, no, night? That, is that next Monday? No, yeah. that is Monday yeah. night. And so Monday night on Basketball next Monday night, and then Tuesday. That's a lot of us, so thanks for being patient. Uh, and remember, go to YouTube and subscribe. Same thing for Twitch and YSGuys.com. You can get on there and, and uh, click to get our highlights sent to you. Um, Every week, so if you can't make all two hours, you can just get the best of sent right to you that, that Jack and the guys cut up and, and, and do as a, as a service project. And as we go out, Bluesville reminds us, thanks for the show tonight, he says, and says, Happy Native American Heritage Month, which it is in the month of November. I'm so glad October's over. I usually Thank, love October. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder, Bluesville. Wins ahead. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. See you next time.